Live from Chicago, it's Saturday morning. It's the Murph and Fred Show. Starring Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, and featuring Eric Ostrowski. Now here's your host, Murph and Fred. Hey, how you doing, everybody? Good morning. Mike Murphy here. Is that you over there, Fred Hubner? That is. Yes, it is. (laughs) It got uh, below 80, so I decided to come out. That's right. Yeah. You're sort of like a groundhog, but yeah. you've got your own little deal going. I'm the other way around, and uh, <laughs> don't go yelling at me because I'm not a fan of the heat. I don't. I never. I have a rule: you can only complain one way. Yeah. I never, ever, ever complain if it's too cold. You can always put on a jacket. When it's too hot, there's not a damn thing you can do. You got a rule. Yep, that's yeah. my rule. Uh, sort of like uh, Joe Madden. It came out uh, when some of the brushback games uh, were going on. He said, "I, I got a rule." He says, "If you're the batter." And, uh, you know, you're upset with the pitch high and in or hit whatever. He says, you can either do one, only two things. Right. Either attack the mound or go to first base. Yeah. Nothing else. Nothing else. None of that halfway out and then you run back and then you wait for people to come out and protect you. No. Yeah. Hold me back. Hold me back. Yeah. (laughs) I got you. Busy day. Glad you're with us. Murph and Fred every Saturday, 9 till noon. We're loaded up. We're jammed. Got about 40 pounds to put in the 10-pound bag. We're about a half hour away from, oh, one of our favorite guys, Fred, Josh Nelson over at SoxMachine.com. Yeah, Sox Machine, they do great stuff. And uh, yeah. he put out a great thing about the uh, top 20 uh, White Sox uh, prospects and cool. the, how many of them are out for the season with injuries. Ah. <laughs> so that's yeah. kind of scary. But you know what? They'll eventually get healthy, we hope. Didn't someone about a month ago, we had to cut somewhere once. Well, it's good to get the injuries now because then you won't get them later. I go, what? Yeah, and right. they just keep on coming. <laughs> you know, ten o'clock. Jesse Rogers, he's in Cincinnati. There's nothing else to do there, so he'll be calling us. I didn't want to say it's boring. I like Cincinnati. Yeah, you do, don't I you? I've been here a long time, but I like it okay. when I was there. All right, that's so good. I like that little ballpark, and I do say little. Eleven o'clock. It'll be our buddy Sam Smith talking bulls from bulls dot com. So uh, our phone number always remains three three two three seven seven six. I don't know if you saw Kobe White and uh, Daniel, Daniel Gafford on the uh, architectural uh, tour. No, they were on the architectural tour uh, on the boat the other day. Uh, you know, talking to the people wow. on the boat. It's supposed to be a great tour. It. It's I've, tremendous. I've been on it three it? times. Wow. Three times. It's All a right. great, great tour, architectural tour, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously they picked a great day to be on it yesterday. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you can find it on. On Twitter and uh, yeah, the, so they're they're getting a chance to see the city before they wow. uh, get into the uh, summer league play, which starts actually next week, I think, in Las Vegas. To your uh, east uh, there, you can see the uh, Civic Opera House, uh, built like a uh, large chair throne for the uh, owner back then, uh, Samuel Insel, uh, who headed up uh, the first electric company. And he thought, I can sit there and this big, you know, and, uh-huh. and look out west at my city. See? They do I, a lot of stuff about that. Yeah, merchandise uh-huh. Mart and all, Ooh, of the, yeah. uh, the, all of the different architecture. Yeah. It's really good. Really the, good stuff. Here's the merchandise Mart. Uh, built with uh, illegal booze running uh, back during the Depression. Nah, yeah. I never heard. Oh, yeah. There's no no such thing as illegal. <laughs> Nothing's illegal in Chicago or Illinois anymore. Uh-huh. You can smoke pot and bet on games anytime you'd like. Yeah. Uh, used to be, uh, eh, that guy's just a uh, bookie. He's a drug dealer. Now he's a respected businessman. Yes, yes. There There's no go. doubt about it. Yeah, and where's the tax money going to go? Uh, same place the lottery money 
went, which is... Oh, to the schools, I'm sure. Yeah, they moved general funds to the schools and kept the money, right. Uh, But what do I know? I'm just a fan. Let's bring in EO11. Eric, give me some Twitter poll music, please. Number one, vote at ESPN 1000. Ooh, yeah. Cubs fans, vote now. If the Cubs only make one trip to the World Series before Theo Epstein leaves after 2021... His Cubs leadership career was A, still a success, B, a disappointment, C, a failure. Vote right now, or I could uh, I could distill it down to, if the Cubs don't make another trip to the World Series, will Epstein be ep fraud? Okay. Oh, but I didn't want to say that. Because ah, I have the t-shirt. I can die happy. He's kind of taken his uh, cue from the other teams in uh, Chicago, the Bears, the White Sox. And hey, not the, the Bulls. Black, no, not the Bulls, the Blackhawks, right. Not, yeah. not the teams that play yeah. at the United Center. If the Cubs, uh, Theo only makes one trip overall in 10 years to the World Series before he blows town, puts that $75 million in the carpet bag, uh, uh, his career will still be, uh, Cubs career will be a success. A disappointment. Or a failure. And uh, White Sox fans, I like to sort of disguise this Twitter poll question uh, every few weeks, but let's do it again because I'm interested. Jerry Reinsdorf, yes or no, should sign free agent Joe Madden this winter. Sox fans, Cub fans, vote right now. You can vote live on the radio, 312-332-3776. Or vote, as always, at ESPN 1000. Uh, Let's take a look uh, at what happened yesterday in the world of sports in Chicago. Fred, White Sox, uh, they win 6-4. They beat the... The Twins. Tough to beat Twins. Very tough to beat Twins. They've been struggling. Yeah, the left-handed starting uh, pitcher... Sort of stopgap guy, but uh, Ross Detweiler did okay, huh? Yeah, five innings, giving up just two runs. He didn't walk anybody, and that's a big thing for mm-hmm. a guy to come in and get a uh, start for the White Sox. Mm-hmm. Once uh, one five innings, that's more than most of the, uh, the White Sox starters usually go. Your guy behind a plate, McCann, did it again. Another two-run bomb out, I think, towards center field. Yeah. I watched it last night. Yeah, he belted a two-run mm-hmm. homer, and then uh, Eloy, who had a hit a single earlier up the middle, he kind of put some icing on the cake, and as it turns out, they yeah. needed that icing <laughs> because uh, Herrera came in and gave up a two-run homer to uh, Miguel Sano, um, his second, his second two-run homer mm-hmm. in the game. And uh, but the White Sox hang on, and uh, Colomay gets his save after blowing his only save of the season uh, in Boston, which he blew the save. He blew the save and got the win in uh, in Boston, uh, Colomay. So. Um, you blow the save and get the win. Yeah, so the White Sox <clears throat> now back to three games under five hundred. That elusive five hundred mark, uh-huh. they've gotten to it once this year. See if they can get back to it. I always call it a BS win. You blow the save and then you get lucky yeah. because your team scores. That should not ever be a win. There should be a little rule. You cannot get a win if you blow the saves. The other, the best pitcher otherwise gets it. But what do I know? Now you couldn't give it to anybody else because at that point they weren't even close to win. I mean. You know, whoever was most effective. Eh, I don't know. Well, whatever. Uh, I agree with you about them not getting it, but since wins don't matter anymore, why does anybody need to get it? Just call it a team win. Well, okay, great point. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. So last night's Cubs game, who's the losing pitcher? Hamels. Yeah. All right. Now we've 
more and more talked over the last few years, and I admitted I was a little late to the party, that wins and losses, uh, you know, there's got to be a new way to compute them and figure them, especially now with what they call uh, openers, guys that pitch right. the first inning, not starters. Uh, then that eliminates the uh, starter from five innings and an automatic W, yada, yada. But, uh, like, like, what, a couple of weeks ago, was it uh, uh, Darvish? It went like seven innings, gave up one run. He right. leaves the game, it's one-to-one. Then one. some reliever comes in, and by luck, the Cubs score when he's the pitcher record, and then that guy yeah, gets Ryan, the W. Ryan came in for a third. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me ask you. No one ever talks about the flip-flop, the oppo, the reciprocating side of that. So last night, oh, I could be off. Hamels pitches the one inning, right? and we'll talk about the injury. He pitches one inning. He gives up a run. He leaves the game with the injury, trailing one to nothing. Then Montgomery comes in and uh, blows up. Bang, and, zoom. Uh, six hits, five runs. And uh, who gets the loss? Hamels. Hamels. Now, is, this is almost the flip-flop of the starting pitcher right. not getting the W yeah. when he goes seven innings and gives up no runs. and So... Wouldn't you really think that the least efficient, uh, effective pitcher was Hamels? I'm sorry, it was Montgomery last night. Because the Cubs do come back, they get a few runs. He's the one that really put the nail in the coffin. Wouldn't you uh, give the loss uh, to the guy that gave up five runs in two and a third innings? Yeah, you would think. It is is the uh, the exact same thing. Because no one ever talks about the flip-flop there. Yeah. All right. So the White Sox, uh, they do win 6-4. to four. But how about your guy Eloy, who we verified last week when he said his own name? Right. Yeah, they called Eloy. me. They said Eloy. Yep. You know? And everyone now, more and more of the Eloy. The TV there, the radio there, everybody. But anyway, what are we going to do about it? They don't want to pronounce the guy's name the way he pronounces it. Doesn't matter. He gets his 13th homer last night, Fred. In just uh, in 54 games, call it a third of the season. So his rookie year, he's on the pace on a 39 uh, and 90 RBIs. That's not too bad no. for a first-year pup. No, not bad at all. Age 22. Yeah, and he, he uh, kind of struggled a little bit in Boston. Um, he had some struggles. He didn't look really good at the plate at some times. And then he comes up and gets nice yeah. hits here and there. So he's still learning. 22-year-old kid. And uh, you can see the power he's got. So yeah. he's Eli, only going to get better. Excuse the bottom of the eighth inning. Uh, it's uh, uh, the Cub, it's White Sox 4-2. It seemed like you were saying frosting on the cake. Two-run homer by Eloy. Eloy Jimenez hits a ball. Oh, Deep center field. Kepler back. Pitch number 105 and drilled it to center field. A no-doubter. And the bullpen that it's just started throwing now apparently going to come into this one. But it was needed. Highlights, <clears throat> excuse me, NBC Sports Chicago. And uh, number 13 on the year. Yeah, it was gone. <laughs> I thought I heard you interject. Kid, kid, kid went home with floss one. Gone. Got a little Jim Memolo in him. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, but it, I mean, it was, it's nice to see they got a uh, nice win over a good team. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you, you beat the Twins. I mean, that's what you got to mm-hmm. do in these head-to-head matchups. You got to knock off Minnesota. 
And uh, so that was nice to see. They got some decent pitching. And uh, so today they have a three twelve start, and they're gonna. I think they're gonna wear the three twelve hats before the game. Oh, yeah. I don't think Major League Baseball let them wear them during the game. Goose Island, yep, sponsor. Right? Uh-huh. Okay, cool, cool. Remember when Seven Eleven sponsored the night games for a couple years? Yeah, started I the do. games at Seven Eleven. Yep. And uh, you know, <laughs> Brooks Boyer figured hey, it all someone's out. gonna give you money to move the start back one minute. Yeah. Three twelve. We'll start all the games at three twelve or seven eleven. Here, here's a pile of money. Yeah. Can you start the games one minute later? Call it seven eleven. Yeah, I think we can. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> all right. Enough dealing. Enough. Enough uh, uh, foot dragging here. So the Reds beat the Cubs three to nothing. Here's the story, in my opinion, Fred. The standings. The standings in the National League Central. Uh-huh. By the way, remember a few weeks ago I said, "Hey Jesse, can you do a little uh, homework here?" Uh, and I knew he wouldn't, but I was half jesting. And I said, what would happen? Uh, He's probably done it and just hasn't gotten around to it. What if all five teams in the National League Central end the season 81 and 81? Right. And he started, ah, <laughs> I had funny, Murph. I go, no, I'm serious. How would the round-robin five-team playoffs go? You know, not even playoffs, tiebreaker right. would be the correct word. Well, look at the standings this morning. Cubs in first place still, 44 and 38, six over. Milwaukee lost. They remain one game back. St. Louis lost. They remain three games back. All right, where are you heading here, Murph? Here come the Pirates. Pittsburgh and Cincinnati both won. Obviously, Cincinnati, they beat the Cubs. Pittsburgh in fourth, four back. Cincinnati, fifth place, five and a half back. Now, Cincinnati started his three games with the Cubs, playing at home, Cubs in Cincinnati, six and a half back. What if the Reds sweep the series? Okay. Now, to, tonight, uh, today, whatever time they're playing this afternoon, is uh, a bad matchup. It's Quintana versus, I would say, their best pitcher. Luis it's, Castillo. Uh, yeah, seven and yep. two with an Ernie of about two point five or whatever. Yep, two point five six. All right, good. So this would be a what they would call, you know, bad matchup. If we're the odds couple on, uh-huh. we could find out. I would certainly imagine the Reds are the favorite tonight, today. So here's the thing: the Reds were six and a half back, right, when the Cubs right. entered town. Now Sunday will be a better matchup for the uh, Chicago Cubs, Lester. Versus Discofani, uh, who's four and four with a uh, earned an average uh, up near five, but let's just say all everything goes haywire. The, the Reds would be three and a half back of the Cubs. Yeah. Now, not to say Milwaukee wouldn't leapfrog and the Cubs would be in second. I'm not sure. saying they'd be three and a half out of first, but they could be if Milwaukee keeps losing. I got the Reds as uh, minus one twenty two, so they are the favorite yeah. in the game today. You got a little odds couple in you, huh? Well, you know, I, since everyone else is talking about it, I put an odds thing on my uh, <laughs> on my phone so I can always check it. So mm, you've always been a little of that. Yep, a little odd. Hey, the, the two Cubs uh, All Stars. I, I was thinking about this. So uh, Baez and Contreras, right? Right. Let's say you stood outside uh, Wrigley Field, and this is not to say Cub fans are uh, smarter, not smart, and. Or just took a survey. If you asked 10 people, 10 baseball fans, 10 Cub fans, 
Baez and Contreras. How how the Cubs get those guys? <laughs> what do you think most people would say? Well, uh, Theo probably either traded for him or signed. I don't know, but Theo, no, no, nope. they're both Jim Hendry guys. Yep, uh, just throwing that out there. Just throwing that out there. Uh, Cub fans, by the way, vote right now. If the uh, Cubs only make under Theo's 10 years when he blows town after 2021, only make the one trip to the World Series, his uh, leadership uh, career on the north side would be a success, a disappointment, or a failure, or to distill it down again, uh, would Epstein be a fraud if they never make it to the World Series again? It would be nice if Baez and Contreras and Rizzo and El Zamora mm-hmm. learned how to run the bases this week. It was not a good week for them base running wise. And then, but then you realize it yeah. happens everywhere. Nick Senzel yesterday with two outs and uh, he's on second base goes halfway home or halfway to third on a single to center. And he's and they're like, I'm listening to the game on the radio as I was out picking up food and they. What's Senzel doing? There's two outs. He's, why is he stopping? Marty I don't Brenneman? Know. You were listening to Marty Brenneman? No, no, I was listening to, uh, to Coombs. I'll get to him later, yeah. by the way. And um, so it happens everywhere. He, he didn't know how many just, outs there were. No, no he, he didn't know how many outs well, there were. Now, You're standing on the field. You don't know how many outs there right, are. Now, that's a good question. Is that a base running blunder, though, or a mental blunder? There, I think I, it's a little bit of both. I don't know. Well, I... Not if you thought there was uh, one out, you're not going to be running because it might have been caught. Yeah. But pure base running blunders, I agree with you. They've been brutal. You know what I think a lot of this goes back well, to? Well, then, then then, Rizzo and Bryant not running out uh, are, are base running mistakes by them not being on second base and on first base on pop-ups at fall. Well, that's, that's happened in the last two weeks, each of them. Well, that's dogging it. Well... So that, maybe there's a third category. Yeah. But Not I mean, knowing the outs, a brain cramp, running foolishly into yeah. an out, or dogging it where you don't advance. Yeah. There's it a happens. lot of parameters it's, to bad base running, I guess. It, it's awful because it happens in all of baseball. And I guess everyone's so worried about hitting home runs, mm-hmm. and they're not worried about what they do once again in the bases. And, you know, guys are getting picked off. It's just, it's it's brutal baseball, to I be honest with you. I remember one of the first things... And I love Joe Madden, and I'd sign him right now. By the way, White Sox fans, vote at ESPN 1000. Jerry Reinsdorf should sign free agent Joe Madden this winter. Yes or no? Vote at ESPN 1000. Vote on the radio, 332-3776. Fred, one of the first things I remember Joe Madden saying, I don't mind a guy. Okay, let's retrap. When you were a kid, one of the first things you learned watching Jack Brickhouse or whatever your yep. frame of reference when you were a young baseball fan. That you actually could wear your pants all the way up to your <laughs> to the middle of your chest. Never be the first or the third out of the inning at third base. All right. And at first, that was like when you're 10 years old, it's like mind-boggling. Wait a minute. That's a lot to digest. What was that again? Well, never be the first out of the inning at third base. Why? Stay at second. There's nobody out. Why in the world would you want to gamble and be out at third for the first out of the inning? Only a dope would do that. Or don't be the third out of the inning at third base. Well, okay, that's a lot to digest also. Why is that? Well, because there's not much benefit to be on third base with two out as opposed to second base. So why blow up an inning, any inning, going from first to third, you're out at third, the inning's over. The only way you can score from third with two out uh, is a base hit, 
basically, what you're going to do from second, most likely. You're not going to score unless you get a wild pitch, wild a pitch, pass right. ball, an air, and you're a balk. You're going to count on that? One of the first things Joe said was, I challenged it then, I challenge it now. I don't mind guys being the third out of the inning, a third. Shows they're aggressive. Yeah. All right, well, I can see the that, point. In general, he's yeah. saying, come on, try to get the extra base, run those bases. But to carte blanche, say there's there's nothing wrong with being the third out. I think it gets into these guys' heads that there's no there's nothing wrong ever with being out on the bases because Joe said we should go for it. There's I, a I don't very, know. very thin line yeah. uh, between being... You know, aggressive and flat out stupid. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. and you know, is that one of your dads? It well, sounds like one of your it's dads. A, it sure does sound like one of his. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> there, yeah, there's a very, very thin line, and right. you, you don't want to be stupid on the bases. The runs, the outs are the most important things. That's true. So don't, you know, don't go. You're already on base. You're already on second base. You're in scoring position. Where are you going? Well, I'll give you the flip flop of that. Last night in the Cub game, uh, man scores from first base. For the Reds. Uh, there's that uh, ball hit towards the left field corner. Schwarber almost made, for him, an unbelievable right. circus catch. Sure, some guys would have had it in their hip pocket. That's not what I'm saying. He almost makes a great catch. Ball rattles around in the corner. And the runner, the number nine hitter, not a, uh, a fast guy, guy by the name of Casal, their backup catcher, starting because of an injury, he scores all the way from first. Yep. Now, He's rounding second. It looks like it's going to be pulling up at third. Now, where this broke down, I'm going to put this partially on Bryant. Now, the throw comes into the relay man, Baez, who fielded it the wrong side of his body. He fielded it on the backhand side, which means if he wanted to throw home, you had to make a like a 180. Instead of turning your body around, being a boom, boom. Right. But he didn't know the man was running home. Now, maybe he should have been aware that he might be. Okay, I'll hold him responsible. But the, the, they had a left field camera that zoomed in on a replay, and Bryant stood there on third base. Well, frankly, I don't want to say like a dope, but that's what he looked like because his mouth never opened. Someone's got to let Baez his, know when his back's in the plate. And that was him because no one else was near. Yeah. And he could have yelled, home, home, home. Instead, he stood there, and then when Baez double pump turned around and finally realized that he's throwing it, you know what Bryant did? He put his glove up. He thought he was throwing it to him at third. Huh. I don't even think he knew the guy was going. So that's the opposite of bad base running. That's letting the other team outrun you right. and outthink you. Yep. Second base for the Cubs. I texted Jesse, will join us at 10. Sox talk in a few minutes. The great Sam Smith, Bulls talk at 11, Murph and Fred, 9 until uh, noon, stick around. So, the Cubs' second base offense, all right? Descalso. Russell. And now, Russell. And uh, earlier, you know, they were... See, the plan was, obviously, Zobrist and uh, Hap. Right. That blew up early for two reasons, right? The, the, the second base slot for the Cubs can't produce. Right. I texted... Jesse, during the game in the press box at Cincinnati, I said, Jesse, any way to find out, you know, quick, because you're working, you know, I'm not, any quick way to find out Cubs second baseman when they bat and when they're in the game, obviously. Right. You know, not when they're playing short or first or moving. What's their own offensive numbers? He says, no problem. Okay. You know, and you can do anything now. Sure. Even quick, I guess. I don't know. I wouldn't know how to pull up. Would you know how to pull? EL11. 
You're pretty good. Would you know how to quick, uh, you know, pull up Cubs second baseman offense? It may I, take a minute. I don't know how okay. quickly I could, but I think I could find yeah, it. Yeah, well, right. But well, you know, I'm sure if I took an hour, I could find it. But point is, he did it like that. Number three. Okay, so he came back to me on base plus slugging. Right, the universal way to look at O. The Cubs National League, fifteen teams, thirteenth. They're thirteenth out of. 15 in on-base plus slugging at second base. That's why there's been so much talk about Robel Garcia. Uh-huh. Who? And Whit Merrifield with Kansas City, right? Right. Now, as we take a quick break here, pull up for me, if you would, there, uh, Eric, uh, uh, cut number one. Remember last Saturday, Fred, we had uh, our buddy Dean Ellis on, the sure. radio play-by-play man of the Iowa Cubs. Yep. And he uh, gave us a scouting report on Elder, Al Zola, whatever. All right? Now it's Al Zolai. Thank you. That's how you say it. And don't lie to me. Ed Bear Al Zolai. And he gave us a report on that, a right. couple other things Ian Happ. Now, we were running into a clock problem, remember? Right. Time to go. And he's a radio guy. So usually you say to the radio guy, all right, we got 30 seconds left. And he gave us a final up for 30 seconds because he knew in his head we got a clock, right? right? And then he goes, oh, one more thing. And you and I looked at each he other. He thought we could tack on another 30. Well, no. Yeah. Then I realized it. He see, he's been doing this for 30 years. There's something he wanted to tell us about. And now I heard about him all week. Right. He wanted to tell us about Robel Garcia. 26 years old, late bloomer, down at AAA for the Chicago Cubs. Now there's talk they may have to consider bringing him up. Here's Dean Ellis at the end. Oh, we're out of time, Dean. Now one more thing, Murph and Fred. We've got this other guy here, Robel Garcia, switch hitter, has played a lot of second and some third, ah. but uh, he leads all the all of the minor leaguers in the Cubs system and home runs between AA and AAA, but he's been pretty impressive, and he's the kid that played in Italy for about five years, and the Cubs found him, and and he's, uh, I think he's on the radar cool. now because they're working him in the outfield a little bit, too, before games. I've learned one thing. One Giorno. Dean Ellis. One Giorno, Garcia. He's pretty good at this. Uh-huh. He's pretty good at scouting and looking into He has no inside sources. He's, quote-unquote, just a radio guy at Iowa. It's not like they're confiding in right. him. So they got to do something because they're dying offensively at second base. The seven hole, the eight hole, the nine hole, and the one hole, Schwarber doing absolutely nothing other than solo home runs and not his fault no one's ever on base right they got to fix this jesse at 10 socks talk next sam smith bulls busy day glad you're with us murph and fred vote now at espn 1000 hope you're having a great saturday we are, aren't we, Fred? Right now, we having a great day. I was having a pretty good huh? mon- I was having a pretty good Monday. I don't know if you saw. Follow me on Twitter. On Monday, yeah. I said today would likely be really good for Chicago baseball fans if any of these players were released: Despagne, Alonzo, Descalso, and Cargo. Agree. And so far, in uh, five days, three of them are gone because they're reportedly going to let Cargo go today. I missed that. Yeah. So, it's a good, it's a good day for baseball when Despagne, Alonso, and oh. hopefully Cargo are gone, and Descalso unfortunately has a two year deal, so I don't think the Cubs want to just release him. Three million over two. Yeah. In fact, here's the old yellow pad today. I didn't get down to Cargo, and then I did it like a Hawk. 
Over. Yeah. This game is over. Yeah, it and was, you know, this counts on. Over. Yeah, there was a reason that the Indians decided to, to uh, release him because he can't was, hit anymore. I thought it was worth the, the gamble. Yeah. You didn't even think it was worth the gamble? No. <laughs> All right. But when you, if you don't have anybody else in the minors to bring yeah. up, I guess you got to find somebody. The and waves, that's the problem they find themselves in. The waves and the waves are coming, yeah. as Theo said when he uh, joined the Cubs in 2011. We'll have waves coming. But let's wave over right now to a guy that does a great job <laughs> for the Chicago White Sox. The White Josh Nelson. Sox Machine. Dot com. Murph here, Fred, alongside... Hey, good morning, Josh. Good morning, guys. How are you this fine Saturday morning? Well, good. We got Swami Fred Hubner here, <laughs> and he's predicting uh, who might be on the uh, goodbye list. I'm glad he didn't put my name on it or yours. <laughs> well, you know, is Kelvin Herrera's name on that list, Fred? Uh, you know, after last night, it certainly should be. I mean, uh, you know, throw throws to know anything but a ball that's like right in his wheelhouse. That would be nice in the uh, in the uh, inning he comes in. But uh, so you say no to that pitch, huh? Sano, uh, right. yeah, he's yeah, but Sano said yes to right field and uh, just sure launched. Did. As soon as he hit it, he just stood there. And as he stood there, thousands of White Sox fans were just swearing. And I'm sure I was one, but you know, Josh. With I was looking at some of the stuff you've put up on uh, on Twitter and everywhere else, and uh, you need a medical degree to follow this White Sox team, don't you? Uh, pretty, it seems like it, right? Uh, yesterday's news dump was something else. Just the Tommy John surgeries, the torn patella ligament for Zach Birdie. Ian Hamilton needs a jaw reconstruction. Uh, these injuries are just not nagging injuries. I mean, to say that Tim Anderson is out for four to six weeks is pretty severe. But then you follow that up with the Tommy John surgeries and a jaw reconstruction and a torn tendon in the knee. And some of the top prospects in the White Sox farm system are not only missing the rest of 2019, but they could be missing the first half of 2020. And that really impacts as far as their development curve and who the White Sox can count on moving forward in this rebuild. Yeah, it's it's pretty scary. You look at him, and it just keeps going. And the Tim Anderson thing, I mean, the way he was playing, and, you know, he's done that play a million times, and I know, the fr- yep. that, I know that uh, Jose Abreu was upset after the game because, you know, saying that they're forcing us to play on, on less than optimum fields. Um, but it didn't look like an injury as, as it happened, and uh, it, it was weird that he's going to be out, it looked likely, four to six weeks now. Yeah, it's, it's just a fluke injury. It's like watching a running back in football make the same cut that they always do to get in the hole, and all of a sudden their leg just gives out. And it is unfortunate because Anderson's been having a great season. I, I don't know if he makes the All-Star game, Fred, this year, uh, but he might have been considered by Boston Red Sox manager Alex Cora, who is managing the American League All-Star team this year sure. uh, and making that roster. Uh, but with him missing most of July, if not all of July, and the White Sox now counting on Lurie Garcia to move from center field to shortstop, and Lurie has been running at times gingerly, and he has said that his legs have been quote-unquote barking on him. Uh, if Garcia can't play at short, then you're going to have Jose Rendon. And this is where you start falling off the cliff in performance. To go from Tim Anderson, who is above-average offensive shortstop, to Jose Rendon, who is well below average offensively at shortstop, uh, White Sox fans are going to see a pretty big difference, and it will raise the question, 
if Tim Anderson gets hurt again, do the White Sox have a good shortstop in their farm system to be a good plan B? And right now that answer is no. The plan B is Lurie Garcia, and hopefully Lurie Garcia stays healthy because uh, he's been hovering around as a league average player at least for the first half of this season, which is a good thing for Lurie Garcia and the White Sox to be playing that well. But by moving him to shortstop, Fred, you've now opened up another hole in center field, and here we go again. We're talking about center field because obviously Adam Engel wasn't good. He's in Charlotte, but I'm not confident in Charlie Tilson and Ryan Cordell playing center field. So the White Sox open up another hole. You need a backup shortstop, you guys? I can give you Addison Russell. I'll, oh, I'll, gosh. I'll take, all I, hold on. All I want is either one, either Eli or Dylan Cease. That's it? That's it. That's all. Yeah, I think that I think we'll just we'll do with uh, what we got on the south side right now. And, you know, you mentioned, Josh, you mentioned Larry Garcia. And I got to tell you, I was never a huge fan of Larry Garcia. But, you know, a couple of things he does and, you know, maybe once or twice in the last couple of years, I, I caught him not hustling. For the most part, he runs everything out. He actually plays a pretty darn good center field and he doesn't seem to play a bad shortstop and. He actually likes, he's one of those guys who can actually get to the high fastball, and he has shown that. it's. He's actually a player, and I guess they say this with a lot of guys, you give him more time to play, and he'll show you what he can actually do. Hmm. And and that's what he's been doing this first half, and I think you nailed it right on the head, Fred. I mean, center field-wise, looking at his numbers, he's made great progress in center field to the point which you know he can hold that position down until Luis Robert arrives. Shortstop is his actual natural position. That's the position that he was playing when he was coming up to the Texas Rangers farm system before the White Sox acquired him and the Alex Rios deal. The thing about Garcia that there's always a knack on is that he doesn't walk, so he's not your prototypical leadoff hitter. But he does make things happen, and he is aggressive. Uh, so for pitchers that want to try to get over a fastball early in the count, Garcia will make you pay. He's got that short stroke now that he's been able to dump singles opposite field, especially when he's batting left-handed, but he will surprise you at times with his power. And I do think he's got 60-grade speed, Fred, which for the listeners, that's above average speed, so he can steal some bases for you. But you're right, he hustles down the first baseline. So if it's a weak grounder into the hole between short and third, he can beat that out for an infield single. So I think for the White Sox, getting this type of positive production out of Louis Garcia uh, is a very good thing in combination of the improvements that we have seen from like Yoan Makata and obviously Tim Anderson before he got hurt. And Aloy Jimenez now having a very good month of June. Uh, th- that's why you look at the Wolfpack offense and say, you know what, these guys give themselves an opportunity to win night in, night out, uh, despite not having a well-constructed roster at the moment. One more quick sidebar on Laurie Garcia. I steal this from Chuck Garfine last night. Laurie Garcia leads the league in reaching base via errors. Now that <laughs> now oh, hold on. I remember now I got I got in a pickle about 10, 20 years ago with John DeWan because the Cubs had a guy named Juan Pierre. And John yep. DeWan and Stats and the guys back then now at Baseball Info Solutions uh, had a, a first guy to have a stat reaching base via error. And every year Juan Pierre would lead the league with about 18, 19, 21. And I'm thinking, well, there's, this can't be a coincidence. What happens is, and that's what Chuck said last uh-huh. night, 
infielders. They hurry the routine two hopper, maybe just a little to their left, to their right, because they I got to get P, I got to ball over. Pierre will beat it out, and then they they boot it or they throw it away. And I said this should be on base. It should count. Oh, and I can laugh again. I don't blame you. No, I don't like. I don't mind that. If one. you actually force getting right, on you're base, you're forcing the guy. Uh, that was just me. No, no need to comment. There. Josh <laughs> Nelson, SoxMachine.com. As a Cup fan, but you can steal it and use it. Uh, yeah. Josh Nelson, let me ask you this: uh, Sox Machine. Com. So Zach Collins, hopefully there's that bats opened up for him with uh, Yonder Alonso uh, going bye-bye. He's one for 12. He was one for one. He hit the dramatic three-run homer. Would not you just play this guy either every day here or are they going to move him back down? What would uh, you think you uh, they should do? That's a great question. And I think for Zach Collins right now, he should either DH or he should catch. I think he may be getting an opportunity to catch today uh, against the Minnesota Twins. We'll see what the final lineup is. But if he's in Chicago, I think you got to give him consistent at-bats, right, to see what you've got or at least let him figure out what he needs to work on. Because one, when Wellington Castillo gets off the injured list and rejoins the roster – this is a question I've been getting a lot. What are the White Sox going to do? Are they going to DFA Wellington Castillo and stick with Zach Collins? I'm not sure. I think it's 50-50 that Zach Collins could go back to Charlotte. And I, and I know that will disappoint some White Sox fans. But what was curious was last night, instead of using Zach Collins as a DH, they used Daniel Polka. Yep. And when you have Polka in, on the 25-man and you have Zach Collins also on the 25-man, for White Sox fans that are still learning about Zach Collins, these two are very similar hitters. They should be crushing right-handers, but they're both going to struggle against lefties. And when you have two hitters that have the same type of profile, even though I think Zach Collins is a better batter side and he'll take more walks, that kind of ties the hands for Rick Renteria in constructing this lineup. So I think if, it's the, if he has to decide these next two weeks, who should be getting this plate appearance. Daniel Polka or Zach Collins, I'd rather he give the opportunity to Zach Collins because if he already knows that Collins is going to go back to Charlotte once Wellington Castillo joins the roster, then try to give him as many plate appearances as possible before you send him back down so he can learn how to hit better pitching, obviously, in the major leagues, but then he can take away those experiences, Murph, and work on them in AAA. Fred, uh, and we'll spring you on your busy day. One quickie here, Josh. Uh, Aaron Bummer, who has not been performing like his name. Well, he did last year, but this year not (laughs) so much. He's been terrific. You know, he's got about three, four years of control left. These guys, he's left. I know, Fred, you talked about this a little bit. Why not, you know, you could get a bundle, in my opinion, for a hard-throwing left-handed relief guy that right now no one barrels him up. I mean, last night he had a hiccup, but couldn't you get uh, a nice prospect for him or you just sit tight and plan on him for the next three, four years? I, I think I'm looking around. Teams need those guys badly, com- uh, competing teams right now. Jeff. See, Fred, I knew Cubs fans would be asking me, yeah. hey, can you trade Aaron Bummer to the north side? Uh, <laughs> a lot of teams you, you are going to want him. Right? Point. I'll give you Quintana. <laughs> and Montgomery will probably give us, too, if we, if we hold him to it. 
with Aaron Bummer, I think he's having a very good season, but he's not Andrew Miller, right? When the Yankees traded Andrew Miller to Cleveland, they got a great haul for Andrew Miller. Bummer doesn't have that track record. And I would like to point out, while this is great and it's fun to watch Aaron Bummer, it was fun to watch Jace Fry last year as well. And Jace Fry has not been pitching well this year. So I would raise caution. I think the White Sox should hold on to Aaron Bummer. Unless a team wants to offer a top 100 prospect for Aaron Bummer, then by all means, be be our guest. Go ahead and have Aaron <laughs> Bummer and give us your top 100 prospect. Uh, but I think for the White Sox, uh, they keep Aaron Bummer because of the control. And if they are looking to make this transition soon from rebuilder to contender, they're going to need the Aaron Bummers to help out in the bullpen because the Aaron Bummers are cheap. And you can spend that money elsewhere, like trying to find – another starting pitcher that they really desperately need to find. Great stuff. Thank you very much. SoxMachine.com. Josh Nelson, you stayed longer than we asked you to. We're up against the clock and it's spring you right now. Hope to visit with you uh, uh, soon. Thank you for your time, Josh. Thanks, Josh. Hey, no problem. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. You too. Back in a flash, Murph and Fred. Got a lot to do. Oh, Jesse coming up. We got Sam Smith Bowls later. Busy day. Hope you're having a great Saturday. Vote now at ESPN 1000. Where are the waves of young players? Even the good teams have them, apparently, because we're seeing the Dodgers, the Astros, all these teams... Now, the Braves had years of bad play, but they're they're setting up waves. The Cubs don't have those waves, not yet at least, and not not during this contending window. They're getting, window, they're getting no help from young players. That is something I'm not going to stop harping on. Catch a wave and you're sitting on top of the world. And you said three waves and one window by our guy Jesse. Yep. He's been listening. Oh, man. Welcome back. Perfect, Fred. How about, how about a week or so ago when the Dodgers had three straight walk-off yeah. home runs from rookies? Sure. Three straight. They had they had Beatty, right. Verdugo, right. and Will Smith. Yes. You know, and I each, mean, one, each one went farther than the other homer. It's unbelievable. That's what you call waves. Yeah, that's what happens when you when you draft well and you yeah. develop talent. And uh, you November, know, November uh, twenty eleven, first press conference. Mister Epfraud, I mean Epstein, says there'll be waves and waves of uh, talent coming uh, in the future. After he got done uh, uh, saying how lousy the Cubs uh, system was up and down under Jim Hendry. By the way, the two all-stars uh, uh, for the Cubs, Baez and Contreras, how they uh, obtained them? Uh, yep. uh, Jim Hendry. Uh-huh. Okay, but you won't be hearing, hearing that at all. I know that. Windows and waves. Jesse, in a few minutes. Uh, let's see. So much on the Cubs. So uh, Cole Hamill, Hamill's out. It, yeah, he doesn't want to put any timetable on it because he says he wants to be like 100% ready when he comes back. So well, that, that actually would scare you a little bit long, more because... It means he'd probably be out a little bit longer. I thought it was good news when they reported, though he has not had MRIs or anything yet, the strained oblique as opposed to torn. Right. And I go, well, maybe that's only then, uh, you know, three, four, five weeks as opposed. No. Here's Gordy Wittenmeyer uh, today in the Sun-Times. The strained oblique could be a little tricky. A month into the 2017 season. Are you Cub fans? Are you sitting down? 
A month into the 2017 season, Hamels suffered a right oblique strain. Now, this was left uh, the other night, last night left. A month into 2017, Hamels suffered a, uh, an oblique strain while warming up for a start and missed the next two months. He said last night he didn't think it was as bad as that one. But, so. but he just said no timetable. Yeah. Actually, I think we had the sound of him talking about it from last night. Oh. But on the uh, the cutter to uh, Gwinnett, um, you know, and, and, you know, kind of felt more like a cramp uh, because I've, I've, you know, strained and or tore my oblique uh, a couple years ago and that was completely different that's you know the one where you feel like you just got shot um so you know i I really thought it was more of a cramp and then you know continued to throw the next two pitches and it still was lingering um you know and then fortunate enough to be able to have the uh the inning to kind of walk around and and kind of see and and stretch and and just kind of see where it's at uh you know the telltale sign of, of really if it was you know, something that I know could <clears throat> get worse. Um, you know, that that was kind of in the in the warm up pitches, and you know, when you have to throw a fastball at a you know higher velocity, um, you know, and the effort that it takes to be able to do that, uh, it just it was grabbing. That's no good. No, it was grabbing, and uh, yeah, that's not good for uh, the Cubs staff. Actually, you know, when Hendricks is still out, they were not going to start Chatwood again. Now I would think he's going to have to start again. Well, here's the rotation. Now it's. The five-man, Lester, Darvish, Alzalai, Alzalai, Quintana, and Chatwood. Uh, they play five, six days in a row before an off day, so they've got to go through five times, one off day, and then the White Sox. So uh, those that's your rotate. They, they say, well, you know, Hendricks might be coming back. He had a good uh, bullpen. He He's got a, another one today. He had a cortisone shot in his shoulder. Yeah. I'm not a doctor. Don't cortisone shots, they don't fix anything. They no. just mask they, it. They mask it. Right. Yeah. So he's got shoulder problems. And cortisone, what, that can maybe make you feel good for a month or I don't you know. Again, right. who knows? Right. right. Let me tell you something else. Jesse in a, in a minute. Uh, the lead, the uh, leadoff slot for the Cubs is a disaster. Schwarber can't get on base. His, uh, his slash line, 227 batting average, 314 on base. Russell uh, on base is also 314. Elmora, 290. They have no leadoff, man. Uh, Atlanta and the Dodgers, good young hitters. They got speed. Let me tell you something about Addison Russell. He did it again this week. Covered second on a steal. Contreras throws the ball like the skipper in front of the bat. And uh, he just olays it. He doesn't get in front of the ball. He's probably been watching. Well, uh, you know, Baez, he knows how to. He, he's, he's quick yes, enough. He, he can olay yep. it. Sure. He doesn't block anything. The next time Russell gets down to block a ball with his chest will, will be the first time. Cargo, it appears, will be released, though it's not confirmed yet. Uh, last night, they all said goodbye to him. They're probably going to bring a pitcher up for a few days. Descalso, he's got to be released. As Fred pointed out, he's making $3 million guaranteed over two years. Jesse next. Murph and Fred, vote right now. Got some active Twitter poll questions. Need your results. Our number two next, Sam Smith, Bulls at 11. Voted ESPN 1000. This is ESPN 1000. Live from the first Midwest Bank Studios on State Street. WMVP Chicago. of young players 
even the good teams have them, apparently, because we're seeing the Dodgers, the Astros, all these teams. Now, the Braves had years of bad play, but they're they're sending up waves. The Cubs don't have those waves, not yet at least, and not not during this contending window. They're getting window. They're getting no help from young players. That is something I'm not going to stop harping on. Catch a wave and you're sitting on top of the world. Windows and waves. Good morning, Jesse. Good morning, boys. How are we doing today? <laughs> hey, Jess. Oh, I'm so happy that the windows and waves is sweeping <laughs> the uh, the baseball world thanks to uh, you. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. It's exactly everything you said was exactly true. Well, you know, the thing is, it's not even, this is stuff we it, we don't even have to debate. It's not opinion-based. It's yeah. fact-based. Just sure. look at look at the people coming up or being signed or whatever. You know, look at the other teams, the numbers and the ages and the status, uh, you know, rookie status and all that. that. It's facts. It's not opinions here, and I don't think Theo or Jed would disagree, really. Well, let's do this, Jesse. Let's bring in EO11, Eric Ostrowski, executive producer, Jesse Rogers with us. Following the Cubs, he's in Cincinnati right now. We have had a Twitter poll in action for about two, three hours. Uh, Cubs fans, you voted. It was multiple choice. If Theo Epstein's Cubs only make one trip to the World Series before he leaves after 2021... His Cubs leadership career will be looked at as A, a success. They made the World Series. They won the World Series. B, a disappointment. She's only one. Fred, like you were saying, it's like the the Bears. You Bears know, and the White Sox. But not the Blackhawks. No, or the Bulls. Or C, it was a failure. Ten years and one World Series. Let's bring in EO11. Can't wait to see uh, what the Cub fans said. Eric? At the bottom, only 6% said that it's a failure, 31% said it's a disappointment, and 63% say it'll still be a success. All right. Hard to dispute. I will say this. To have what's happened since 2016, what wasn't, I think, the youngest team in the league back then, or if not darn close, you win a World Series, you have nothing but optimism, you've got young ball players everywhere, you uh, You've had last place finishes where you can get those first round picks. And to continue to not have waves, the window, I guess it's still open. But I'm not surprised at the, uh, at the voting. To me, you know what? I waited up my whole life. I got one World Series. I thought there'd be another one coming, and there still might be. But, Jesse, that window, it's open now, or is it? Well, yeah, it's open because there's a good chance they're still going to make the playoffs this se- right. this season. And I just say that by, by, again, facts. They're in first place at the halfway point, so there's a good chance. Now, people might say, look at the team. It's not a good chance, but the facts are the facts. Here's the thing, Murph. I mean, when you say make the World Series, you know, <laughs> October is such a different animal anyway. I mean, if, if let's say they won the division by 10 games each of the last four years but only made one World Series. How upset would you? I, I don't know how to assess that because once you get to October, it's – you, it's it's not even on Theo and Jet at that point, you know. It's 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 small sample size stuff. So, 
you got, I think you have to look at making the playoffs now. They're fortunate this division doesn't have a Yankees, doesn't have a Red Sox, doesn't have an Astros, doesn't have a Dodgers the last few years. The Cubs have been that class. Milwaukee's trying to get there, but they don't even, you know, nobody spends like the Cubs do. So maybe the Cubs should be better. But I, I, can't not, I can't call anything a, a failure, first of all, when you win the World Series and you keep making the playoffs, as disappointing as, as the endings maybe are. I have no problem with two seven, 2017, none, absolutely none with whatever went down. There was a hangover year after 108 seasons. No one is going to convince me differently. 18, I had no problem with anything until about August 1st. So right now it's two months there. And basically maybe one month here, because June might be the first losing month they've had since May of 2017. So we're still small sample size in terms of, 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 the, of the bad play here, but it is trending in the wrong direction. I will agree with all of that. Well, 2017, not to rehash, but he came north with only four starting pitchers and that big tub of goo, the lefty Anderson, whatever his name was, and the wheels fell off early and might have been a hangover. Jesse with us. But you say, well, it's not the fault of uh, Theo. And, okay, well, I can, I can accept that perhaps. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I, I, no, no, I thought you... I thought you uh, intimated that i'm sorry no no i mean i'm not going to call it a failure no but no, no I, i'm I, voting I, disappointment yeah you you said what you you replayed what i said there the, the way the the window is closing because yeah. of the poor free agent decisions mm-hmm. and uh, and the lack of waves of young talent we're, we're, they are basically riding off the talent of 16 and it's dwindling and dwindling and dwindling so that yeah i agree with this thing is maybe trending in the wrong direction because of the moves Theo made, but I wouldn't call it a failure. Well, you look at the Dodgers, and you look at the Braves, and Fred, we've talked about them. Yep. Young teams, waves coming up. Who, they knew Austin, who knew Austin Riley? The only, the, only, the only team Austin Riley didn't hit against is the Cubs. The, He's hit against everybody else. He had another homer last night. The Braves got guys a year ago you never heard of. Right. Now they're some of the top players. In the, look at the Dodgers, the waves, and that's, I believe, in that uh, lengthier conversation that we cherry-picked there was, uh, you're talking about the waves as specifically like like the Dodgers. All right, let's move along. Cole Hamels last night leaves the game after the first inning. Everyone feared it was his arm. Uh, then uh, we we now know, but not the severity that it's a, a strained uh, o- oblique. Uh, Gordy uh, pointed out today, uh, one of your uh, c- uh, counterparts over Gordy Wittenmeyer pointed out that Hamels had a right oblique strain while warming up in 2017 and he missed two months. That does I mean, this is two months or not, but it's darn, darn good timing that Alzaloy uh, is up. Chatwood's been filling in a little bit. So right now, you're back to a, uh, a rotation that looks like pending Hendricks. Right now, it's Lester, Darvish, Alzaloy, uh, Quintana, and Chatwood. Hendricks maybe soon. So that finally, uh, one wave a wave of one alzaloy certainly fits like a glove right yeah absolutely they 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 lost at a position they actually have bodies now they have to have some success you know chatwood yeah. didn't pitch great the other day hendrix is due back soon so you'd think they could survive this though he was pitching so well cole hamels I don't know if anyone can match him at this point. He had a one ERA in June, but at least they have the bodies. I even said that to Joe. I mean, you don't have to get desperate on this thing and call up Alec Mills or Eddie Butler back in the day. You know, it wasn't long ago they had to do that. Now, Hamels is going to be real careful about this. So even though it might not be a two-month injury, he might 
you know, uh, add that extra week or two just to be, be, be safe because he came back too early, he said last time. He went down on May 3rd, 2017. He pitched June 28th, so it was just short of two months. He thought he came back a week, a week early there. So whatever the injury is going to be, let's say it's four weeks, he might make it five. If it's three, he might make it four. Either way, I would think he's probably down calendar-wise for about, a, I don't know, three weeks to four weeks, yeah. I would think. Mm. we got to see the severity, but it helps having the All-Star break coming right. up. That's one week down. Um, but he is not going to rush it. He's going to use the injury from 17 as his guide and not come back too quick. That first game in 17 when he returned, he gave up like eight runs. So he doesn't want to do that. Jesse Rogers with the Cubs in Cincinnati. I remember in the offseason, Fred, uh, you, I, Jesse. Well, you know, the Cubs need a left-handed uh, a bullpen guy to replace uh, Wilson. And they, it looks like they're going to need a second base leadoff guy. That's what they're looking at now. Still, those two. Let's take a quick look at on-base percentage of three particular guys everyone loves on base percentage okay why not so right now you got a home run hitter uh schwarber batting leadoff he has 17 homers and 37 ribeyes as joe madden calls him that means he's got 20 rbis halfway through the year other than you know home runs and some of those will be with the men on base when hit the homers anyway so it's less than 20 his on base Jess is 314. Russell's on base is 314. Almora's on base is 290. They have no leadoff man. Nothing irritates me more, and I think I bother you in the press box. Whenever <laughs> Schwarber hits a solo homer, which it has to be solo if it's the first inning, and most of the time it's solo around the uh, batting order because seven, six, seven, eight, nine. Don't get six, seven, eight, nine. Don't get on base for the Cubs. So you got a power hitter that can't get on base hitting solo homers. But what do I know? I'm just a fan. So how are they going to now? Whit Merrifield, his name has been kicked around a lot. Most people by now have figured out he's a second baseman. Got uh, a Hall of Fame votes a year or two ago. Kansas City. He's a little older, thirty years old. Came on late. You mean All Star votes? Uh, don't you? You said Hall of Fame votes. Either one. No, no, I meant MVP. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I was wrong. We're oh, both okay. MVP votes. Okay. okay. I'm sorry. He didn't actually make the All-Star team. He ain't making the Hall of Fame yet either. Thank, <laughs> thank goodness Fred's been next to me for 25 years, Jesse, as you know. But I missed it. They got to, uh, oh, you know, you haven't had your third cup of coffee yet. No, I haven't. I let the record show. I'm not going to ask you if you're going to have any five-way chili. If one more Good. person asks anyone in Cincinnati if you're going to have a five-way blank and chili. So what are they? Basically, what? it's when you got nothing else to ask. Hey, any nuggets? No, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> Jesse, what do they do with leadoff? It's not working. Well, uh, you mentioned Schwarber's on base. That was his overall on base. Did you look up what he what he's batting when leading off? Batting first in the lineup. No, does it get worse? It's two ninety nine on base, not mm-hmm. hitting. Mm-hmm. Two ninety nine on base percentage as a leadoff man. I haven't looked up if that's the worst in the league, but it can't it can't, it can't be many worse. 299 OBP. Yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that. They have to go outside the organization. Elmore is not even hitting lefties anymore. He used to be able to handle that and put him up there maybe, and he will every so often, but they're probably going to have to go outside the organization. I said it earlier in the week. I'm going to repeat it. Back when they were going well two through eight, I agreed with Jed and Theo. Having the quintessential Dexter Fowler type was a, was a luxury, not a necessity. But when you're not going well two through eight, specifically five through eight, or six through eight, whatever, 
you do need the, you do need that guy. I mean, maybe Chris Bryant's only getting singles and things like that, but he's still hitting a you know about three hundred in June. You've got to get some men on in front of him. I don't care if he's unclutched like everyone says. Just get some traffic going in front of him. Get it in front of Rizzo. Get in front of Baez because by the time you get to Contreras and below, it's dead on the base pass. So I do think it's now a necessity, no longer a luxury, to set the table a little bit for the four good hitters you have on your team. Hmm. You know, Jess, um, I know that the general manager mentioned that the Cubs will look outside, and you just mentioned it also. There's a problem, and we've just discussed it. You don't have anything to offer anybody else. If you're going to be picking up retreads or has-beens like Cargo, you're going to get what you got, a guy that was released because he couldn't do it. And then you're trying to hope that he does it here. How are you going to look outside the organization when you got nothing to give up? Tip of the hat to Jason McLeod. Yeah, a couple things on that. I, 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 I said this earlier, and it's crazy now that Hamels is down. You, you know, this is why it's crazy. The one area they actually have health, you know, had, I guess, had, yeah. Health, yeah, healthy bodies or extra bodies was starting pitching. Can you imagine Trading a starter, a contending team trading a starter is absurd, but you could actually get stuff. Now, I don't know if you can get stuff for Quintana these days, but God knows you probably could for Azalei. I know they don't want to do that. I mean, we know that. But you get where I'm getting. That's about right. the only way you could do it at the major league level right now because Mike Montgomery's uh, value is, you know, flush the toilet right now. I mean, it's, it's, it's worse than it's ever been, and that's all on Mike Montgomery. Does he he wanted to be bu- a starter. Does he have a bum flipper? No, he's got a bum thing between his ears right now. His a, head is not in the game, as evidenced by what we saw last night. Uh, guys like Joey Votto stealing bases on him. Now, I say that not being inside his head. I say that from right, the outside. Right. I, obviously, I'm making an assessment on someone's mental state. That's a tough thing to say but or to do, but it's pretty obvious uh, in terms of baseball, you know, using baseball terms, he seems checked out, and his so, value has never been lower. So I'll say uh, this so you're done. He's mad because he's not starting, and he can't get his head back into the end of the game. I, I think you. I think you said it right. right. Look, the guy. The guy was sort of asking for some clarity two years ago, and they said, "No, no, you're going to get some starts." And he got 19 starts last year. Mm-hmm. What do you think happened the day they picked up Cole Hamill's option and did not trade Tyler Chatwood? Do you think that was a good day for Mike Montgomery? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I don't. My point being, they added Hamels and kept Chatwood, and now Montgomery's that much further from being a starter. But it was on him to to take the ball and do his job when asked, and he hasn't done it. And I, I mean that that's. I don't think he has a bum flipper. I, I just don't. Anyway, his value is dead. I used to talk about trading him for, for uh, Alex Colomay. That sounds silly right now. Yeah. So anyway, the only other option is uh, the the top prospects you have: Nico Horner, Amaya, the catcher. You, maybe it's quantity over quality if there isn't that one guy like Eloy or Gleyber Torres. So that's what you have to do. Trade from your surplus, which would be absurd, I guess, at the, at the major league level, which is your starters. Um, unless, again, unless Chatwood can really get you something. Or dig down. Every team has enough prospects to get a deal done. But do you want, run a, want to trade three or four of them for one leadoff man? I don't know. Well, if I'm blowing town like Theo after 2021, I don't care about the future. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe Joe should be thinking that way as he manages. You know, why? Uh, what, is, what, what, what would he do different? Well, you know, you know, it's the Aroldis Chapman thing all over. You know, just use up Craig Kimbrell, well, even though he's got two years left because Joe's, uh, Joe's. Uh, but you don't do that because well, you, you don't want to hurt players. Well, you raised a great point earlier this week. You pointed out how, in a seven to two uh, lead victory, he did use. Uh, uh, 
Cishat, too, though, didn't he? Or what's one yeah, was Yeah, it? now, he used Kinsler for a clean inning. Now, he warmed up Cishat yeah. when it was seven, uh, I think it was seven to three at that point, and men on base, and he warmed up Cishat, and that was okay, and he brought Cishat in the next inning because uh, he was warm. Okay. But the... But using Kinsler in that moment, I think Joe has misused Kinsler. I've said it like three times this week, and it's and it's affected the entire bullpen. Uh, Kinsler's pitched more in a, a sort of mop up duty than he mm-hmm. should have been, you know. Um, not all the time, and lately he's been more of a, a plus guy. But anyway, I, I in general, I think Joe has to manage a team that is that isn't as deep as he once had, and understand that and and. And, uh, deploy his assets accordingly. In other words, you can't just waste Kinsler because you don't have a lot behind him, although you have more now with Kimbrell there. So uh, in general, in position players, I think he might have to ride his top guys a little bit more than he would like to. You don't have a lot behind him. So I think Joe needs to realize that as we, as we hit the second half here. But that's a whole other discussion. Something ain't right with uh, some of these players. Fred brought up earlier the uh, well-documented base running gaffes. Let me ask. They've you happened this. a lot in the last week or so. Yeah, let me ask you this, fellas. So uh, Kimbrel comes in, uh, he gets the first in his uh, debut, and he gets the uh, save, and they win the game. Sure, he gets the first two outs, then a walk and a clean uh, base hit. Uh, now there is first and second two out. They're up by two, and then there's that hard. Three, four hopper right down the uh, first base line. Riz makes a great backhand, looks up to throw it. Whoa, oh, no one there. I didn't like the, the answer. No. no, good. You, Fred and I, we did not discuss this, Jesse, Fred, and I in the pre show love fest, mm-hmm. by the way. And Kimball's. And people, and not you, I hope, instead of padded from, well, you know what? He didn't have pitchers fielding practice. That's, he says that. And he was in Iowa. You know what? How long's he been pitching? How long? Hey, you were pitching in, in Little League. You were the pitcher. You instinctively went towards first base. Either he, he's a dog with, when it comes to that, <laughs> that particular play, not overall on that play, or here's what I think happened. He either assumed and that, was going through. And that don't make an ass out of me. He either assumed it was going to go foul or down the line for a double. He didn't dream that Rizzo was going to get it. He presumed and assumed. That's my guess. I, I disagree with you, and I was one of the guys that kind of gave him a little bit of a pass because he hasn't played a major league game in eight, nine months. You said that, that, that's, a, that's a play pitchers freeze on whether, when they're playing all the time. He hadn't played in a while. The adrenaline's pumping, 40,000 screaming. That play will happen every so often, and especially if it's your first game. So I'll give him a little bit. But when you want to talk about mistakes, how about yesterday when Bias had a guy dead to rights at home, didn't realize he had about 100 seconds to throw it, and uh, no one's yelling at him, home, home, 4-4, and they let that run score. Now, great job. Uh, anyone that didn't see the game, let's try to, I'll quickly recreate it. First and third, there's a double to the left field corner by the Reds. Schwarbs, for him, made almost an unbelievable circus catch. Sure, some guys might have hit it in their hip pocket. He made a great effort. Anyway, the ball rattles around the corner. They have the catcher on first, slow runner, uh, Casali. Casali, thank you, Fred. And everyone figures he's going first to third. No, he's going to try to score. Now, here's breakdowns. On two guys. I don't want to put it all on Javi. Javi, and this is pointed out by Deshays, was standing the wrong way. In other words, he took the ball, backhanded the throw in from Schwarber, so he had to do a 180 to even know or look to throw home. If he takes it the other way on the glove hand side by repositioning, boom, boom. But the replay shows, and you might not have had this monitor, uh, Jesse, the replay was from a 
left field camera. And it showed Bryant standing on the bag with his mouth shut. He never once yelled like you suggested. Home, home, home. Second baseman was no, there was only one guy that could yell. And that was uh, uh, Bryant. And he usually doesn't fumble the ball like this. But not only did he not yell, he was unaware because he was watching the ball because when the throw comes into Javi and Javi does the double pump in the half 180 right fine and then Javi's trying to fire at home you know what Bryant does he puts his glove up he thinks the ball's coming to him because he doesn't even know the so one after the other base running okay we've broken those down and Fred did that and then you got uh, see these little plays like this can add up and you never see them as they used to say in the box score yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think they were all stunned that the runner went home. It was quite the send by a third base coach. But you know what? That's part of the game. Put the pressure on your defense sometimes, on the other team's defense. You know, it's it's interesting. Baez usually has that third eye, you know, that, sure. that, that in the back of his head. And he just did not realize the guy was running home. And, and Chris didn't react uh, well either. You're right. These little things have added yeah. up. It doesn't matter when you start 25 and 6 like they did. If you make some of these mistakes, they get glossed over. But when you are not as good, when you are not as deep as you once were, and the division is as tight, all these things are going to matter. And it's so ironic that it's coming off a year where, of course, everything mattered because you lost the division by one game in a tiebreaker. You have the evidence right there in front of you to understand that we can't give away games. And, man, I'm going to write on Monday a big-picture thing. Every team wins 60. Every team loses 60. The other 42, wow, the Cubs can't have a good record in those other 42. I, I, you know what I mean? Like we, you don't know what, which one of those 42. Sure. You know, we don't know how many they played of those 42. You know what I'm saying? They're not, they have given away or, or at least uh, coughed up, whatever you want to call it, some games that they easily could have won. And yesterday is sort of one of them. I mean, yeah, they, 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 they lost Hamels. But uh, the offense doesn't do anything until really late. Right. And the guy that came in on the bullpen was, was still uh, having lunch at, at the Skyline Chili, I think. <laughs> well, and someone. Uh, we, How is that five way chili? <laughs> we have a, we I have hate a, chili. We have a guy on Twitter, Eric D- Davis. And he says that Montgomery was standing on the mound, too, and he wasn't backing up at home on that play. Well, that's no, because geez. his head's not in the game. We already established that. <laughs> I, I didn't know that, but that just adds... I mean, Joey Votto stole on him. Well, then yeah. Joey Votto. Yeah. He could have yelled home, home, home sure. if he was standing there. Sure. All right. and, and, by, and by the way, it's not just because we're talking to Jesse, we're not just beating on the Cubs. Uh, the other day, uh, Ronaldo Lopez throws a wild pitch with a runner at third in Boston. Stands on the mound. Yeah. James McCann gets the ball. He looks... And he's standing on the mound with his hands on his head. That's because he didn't have PFP. That's exactly, that's why. In spring training. A couple more minutes with our five-way chili hater. It's so easy to make excuses But he loved uh, Chili Davis. That's paradoxical. All right. Now, let me me ask you this, Jesse. Just a couple couple of quickies here. Uh, So, uh, now, Addison Russell, it's interesting. Uh, When you played second and shortstop at uh, Glenbrook uh, South, Northeast, West, and uh, you Mm -hmm. were covering second on a and your catcher, you know, threw a uh, threw the ball about five feet in front of you, and it was going to skip in the center. You went down on your knees and you took it off your chest. It'll, when it happens next, it'll be the first time that Addison Russell tries to block a ball. Now, Javi, I was he can olay it because he knows how to do it. But little things like that. Now, Cargo, uh, rumors are that maybe he's going to get his uh, release. Some of the uh, reports are, but nothing official. Uh, I like to, I like to gamble. Fred didn't. 
No, I mean, I'd like to gamble because you had nothing nothing else going on. I, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. You didn't have anything better. So they're, they're going to move on. I mean, um, he was shaking hands, hugging guys, Pedro Strobe, everybody was coming over. It was obvious they're right. going to... They're going to DFA him or whatever the case may be. It, you know, Hamill's injury led to all sorts of things. It leads to the to Montgomery, who's bad, uh, who has to have a short outing, leads to three more relievers, which leads to them needing two today, which leads to them needing a roster spot besides Hamill's, and that's cargo. So that injury to Hamill's um, and Montgomery's poor play ends up costing cargo his job. Now, his days were probably numbered anyway, sure. but um, they're going to call up two pitchers and play a man yeah. short on the bench because right. they are so taxed. Five innings out of Chatwood two days ago and one inning out of Hamill so, yesterday. Right. So, so they're this is re- not a good stretch for them right, right. now. They're going to replace outfielder Gonzalez with another pitcher, at least right. uh, yeah. for a I, I, one, few one, days. One thing really quickly about the leadoff position we talked a little bit about, a, a texter or a guy on Twitter just got to me on this, and we I was about to discuss this too, but right now the hottest hitter they have is Jason Hayward. Does yeah. it make sense to make him your leadoff guy right now? He's hitting ropes. Every bat, every bat's a rope. He, he, uh, it doesn't. Yes, Fred. It does. It does. He doesn't have a great history of it, right. um, but it's worth a shot. He's better than he's. He'd probably get on more than Schwarber right now. But I don't think. I don't think he's a great answer either. But yes, it's worth a shot to ride the hot hand. Maybe that's what Joe do. Just he, ride the hand, hot hand at the top. And of course, right. They get they get cold when they go up there, though. So that's a whole other issue. The answer. Know. The answer may not be on this team. Yeah, definitely. The answer is probably not on this team, but I'm not until they get somebody better. Right. This is what they have to work with. By the way, the Reds lineup is out. Murph, I know you love the lineups. It looks like exactly the same as yesterday, unless I'm missing something. Uh, other than obviously Luis Castillo, man, he's good on the mound. Exact same lineup for the Reds. Well, bad matchup today for the Cubs pitching wise, and we're up against the clock as always. Jesse, thanks for staying as long as you have. The Cubs went into Cincinnati with a three-game series, and the Reds six and a half back. If the Cubs get swept, where's my what if baller? The, the Reds will be three and a half behind the Cubs. Yeah, and again, if they lose one of the next two, it's their first losing month since May of the hangover year, 2017. They, I don't know the total number, but they have had very, very few losing months under Madden, very few. Even last year, they didn't have a losing month under Madden. So that tells you what this month has been about. After a nice stretch, getting back in it, they've really not played well. So they need to win the next two to have a winning month or... Uh, they can't go 500, obviously. So it's either a winning or a losing month. We'll see. Uh, real quick, Twitter poll: If all five teams in the National League Central finish 81 and 81, <laughs> vote now. Vote now. The division is A, B, or C. If all five teams are, see, he laughed last time I said this. Yeah, I did. 81 and 81. The division is strong, weak, or balanced. Have you found out yet how they're going to break the five-way tie? You laughed at me a month ago. I don't blame you, but maybe I'm going to have to ask you to look into that by next week. He's going to ask you every week. Seriously, you... with the Reds and Pirates won yesterday yeah. and everybody else yeah. lost. Uh-huh. I mean, it is, it, 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 every time it starts to lengthen, it tightens back up. So I will look into that, I promise you. Dakota had everybody 81 and 81, and everybody laughed, basically, right? right before Pretty September, Jesse, you'll have the answer for us. Hey, Jesse, <laughs> we're out of time for all your nuggets, so we'll catch you on hey, 4th of July. We're going to track you down, Murph and Fred noon to three uh, before the Pirates. Thanks. Great job, Jesse. Okay, guys. Take care. Thanks, Jess. Overtime. Double duty. Rogers, Murph and Fred back in a flash. Hey, Bulls at the top of the hour. We got a jammed show, so we're about halfway through, but we're not halfway done. ESPN 1000.
Murphy, Fred Hubner, back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. At the 50-yard line, halfway through, three-hour sports fest. Murph and Fred every Saturday, 9 till noon. And you get to hear us on the 4th of July while you're barbecuing. You're unless, barbecuing and unless you have too many fireworks going off and you can't hear anything. Having beverages this uh-huh. will be on from uh, noon to three, uh, right before the White Sox, and then during the White Sox, and then right before the oh, Cubs. Yeah. So that'd be cool. Is he eleven with us? I'll be here, man. There you yep. go. We'll be celebrating together. Maybe I'll bring some fireworks. We'll light some off in here, right here in the studio. Yeah. Why not? It's red hot. Well, the studio is soundproof, so no one would hear it <laughs> except us, unless we have the microphones on. I'm sure that's breaking a lot of uh, city ordinary. Listen, the fire, ordinances. fireworks would be better than having a grill in here. So, oh, Yurko does that every day. <laughs> so, you know what I love more than anything is Dusseldorf mustard on the bratwurst. Uh-huh. Oh, God, brats are great. You don't use Dusseldorf, Mister uh, uh, German? No, I well, I use yeah. not necessarily Dusseldorf. I use I use the spicy. Well, don't put spicy brown. Can you imagine people put yellow yeah, like I know. mustard? I know. On a bratwurst. Listen, I'm one of those guys. If you're eating it, you can put maple syrup on it. It don't matter. I don't care what you put on your food. Here's what I put on my food. I hate talking about myself, but let me tell you something. Uh huh. The best bratwurst in the world. So you put sauerkraut on it. Uh huh. You put. Brown or do and brown mustards, Dusseldorf. Right. You, you put uh, some little chopped up tomatoes, onions, the sauerkraut. See, I stop. I don't go to the tomatoes. I just go sauerkraut just, and the mustard. Just a little. Uh. And uh, I do put some piccalilli on it. Do you really on a pot? Oh yeah, just See? a little, a little. Rel- Most people call it relish. I they still call it piccalilli. That's yeah. what Chicago called it for a hundred years. Yes, they did. All right. My uh, my, my wife used to uh, used to like. Uh, Piccolilli, and she could never understand why her dad didn't. He used to work at a hot dog stand. Yeah, when he was growing up as did a he, youth. Did he hire Mike North when Mike was <laughs> I don't five think so. as a youth? And uh, they used to have a they used to get their stuff in buckets. You know, bucket of this, bucket of that. And yeah, they had the buckets of Piccolilli, and he was digging in the bucket one day to put it in the Stop. containers. No, and, no, no, don't even tell me. Yeah, so he found some mustard, <laughs> he some found, sauerkraut. He found something to start okay, with him, but it was mind. not mustard. Never mind. <laughs> The pickle industry, I think, was pretty unregulated. You used to joke. You think? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, the youngins won't know this, and probably uh, <laughs> olders uh, won't know this either, but it used to be called a pickle barrel. Yeah. Back like the old general stores sure. back in the 1900s. You just walk on in, grab you a pickle. You put your hand on in, grab a pickle out of the brine. And sure. The, yeah. I'm sure the brine killed all the germs. And if you had a blister, you'd put your hand in there all day. Yeah. A pitcher. Uh-huh. Like if you were three-finger Mordecai sure. Brown, you didn't get that many of them. Yeah, so... It was. Uh, Can I say something about one of the guys I dislike? Oh. The guy I dislike as much as almost anybody is Marty Brenneman. Why? What's wrong with Marty? I don't like him. Do I have to <laughs> give you reasons? He loves Elvis. Do I have to give you a lot of reasons? No, he's done this year. This is his last year. He's the big fish in the. You know, then why don't he just retire? Did you hear him? Oh, I don't. I can't wait to be done working. I hate. I, I don't want to work no more. Well, then you know what? Don't work this year. Yeah, I have a. I have a thing. I, I kind of dislike when people say I'm going to retire at the end of next year. Just retire now, then. Why are we going to have to, you know, everywhere you go, we're well, going to have to throw you a party? That bother me as much as, you know, say, uh, I, I, hate, I, I can't wait to be done working. Well, then stop. Don't tell me that. And then, this is like the third time in about three years I've heard him say this. You know, I don't, I don't care about exit velocity. Okay, well, fine. And then he, but then he really digs the, the hole and he goes... 
Because who? This is this is the big guy, Marty Brenneman, the small yep. fish, the big fish in a small pond, Cincinnati. Uh-huh. For three times now, three years, I've heard him say, you know, that exit view. He doesn't even say exit view. The exit velocity. You know, I don't care how long it takes for a home run to leave the ballpark at what speed. That's not the point. The point is. A hard-hit line driver ground ball is more apt to get through the infielders or between the outfielders if it's hit harder. It's got nothing to do with home runs. Anyway. Yep. Hey, did I hear, did I hear, it's not the biggest story in baseball, but it should be. Did I hear that baseball actually has admitted that uh, the balls might be a little bit different this year? No, I missed that. I, I thought I heard that somewhere. They couldn't deny it anymore, I guess. Huh? Yeah, the the way might... they explained it is they're saying that the seams on the ball are causing it to fly through the air smoother. It doesn't, like, jump around in the air. So it's more aerodynamic is now, what they're saying. Now, you know what? I, I'm not a astrophysicist, but let me ask you something. So are, you implying, are they implying that you are? Are they saying that the seams are sticking out more prominently or they're flatter down? I would assume they'd be flatter down, but they actually didn't specifically say. See, I, I think the assumption is wrong. I think that if you have less seam sticking up, the ball is more apt to be like if you had a ping pong ball and it would just go left and right like a knuckle ball and wouldn't go as far. I think the bigger seam sticking up, I could be wrong, actually helped the ball uh, go through the wind, even though it's sort of a paradox to think that way. But, you know, maybe they're saying... The seams are larger. Or maybe I'm wrong. We'll find out. They are, uh, yeah, the league admits that the baseballs are different here in 2019. What could Four be. days ago, Rob Manfred went on the Dan Patrick show to say that, uh, yeah, it seems like they're a little bit different. See, if they made the two pieces of the leather that are like figure eight look like right. snowmen, if they made them like a fraction of a fraction smaller, then they'd have to bind it. It would be tighter because you'd be gripping. The- By the way, I'm bringing Fourth of July. I'm bringing in a baseball that I found, uh, MLB ball from. Are we going to blow it up and then eat it in a pasta? <laughs> hey, Grant <a> Porter. <laughs> now we can, can we come over and get something to eat? The uh, now we're going to cut it in half with a saw right on the air. If yeah. I had a saw. When you rent all your life or own a condo, you don't have. I didn't have. No, I, what I, I had a screwdriver. Right. Yeah. Right. Let's bring in EO eleven. So, C-Red Fred, we're talking bulls in a few minutes. Hang on there, C-Red Fred, uh, Sam Smith. All right, uh, let's go through some of the Twitter poll. Give me some Twitter poll. Oh, there guys. EO11 is quick today, man. EO11 is on fire. EO11. All right, let's see here. How the fans vote on some of these? What do you think, Fred? Let's go number one. If the NBA does shorten the schedule, all right? I think everyone's yeah, hip everyone's to that discussion. If the NBA does shorten the schedule, and I know they'd have to do some type of tournament in the middle to make right. the money, whatever, yada, yada. The next sport to follow should be baseball or hockey, both or neither. The NFL is actually expanding games, so yeah, they are yeah, not, they're in, not, the, doing, they're not yeah. in the mix. Yeah, they make too much money. They're not going to reduce it. So if the NBA does shorten the schedule, the next sport to follow, logically to you, should be MLB or NHL or both or neither. I'm going to say that both wins. Yeah. Yeah, I think everyone wants these seasons I'd shorter. Ho- I'd say hockey. 
Um, People want to keep baseball 162? No, you're probably right. Both would be probably the answer. Baseball was 154 games for They just take all the records ever. and throw them out the window. You could bounce it back to at least 154. Right. Take well, all the records, throw them all out, go from there. Eric, what'd they say? In last place with 8% is both. <laughs> okay. In third place with 9% is hockey. 21% say neither and 62% say baseball. So 62% of the voters think that MLB should be the one to follow. Yeah. Someone, was it was it Edzo? Was it Eddie Olchuk? Someone that I would listen to said it was never as much fun as the year when there was the strike and they played fewer hockey games and yeah. it was more exciting. I think it was Eddie. Yeah, it was if exciting. If not, I apologize, Edzo. Well, you know why? Because then every game means something. Well. Um, you know, but, but that's always going to be the case when you're playing a shorter season. In football, you can't go on a ten-game losing streak and try to try to bounce back. It's over. You lost ten games. Ain't gonna help. You mean it's like it is for Gonzo and Descalso? It's over. Yeah. And while it well, should be over for Descalso, Descalso, but like I said, you bring in a guy for two years, you don't want to have to pay him for a year. Well, he's one million this year, two million next year. Yeah. But it's three million, no matter how you cut it. Right. And remember how hot he was when they read out of the box early yeah. in the year. Yeah. Everyone said, "What a great move! What a great pickup!" See, yeah. Theo desperately misses Zobrist. Oh, you're not kidding. And a uh, 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 productive Ian Hap. Yeah. Hap thinks he can help. The problem is he's not helping in Iowa. So how, why does he think he can help with the Cubs? Hey, speaking of uh, Zobrist, I was going through every old seven things I found going through old things. Uh-huh. So, uh, Fred, this is uh, February 23rd. Uh, Gordon Wittenmeyer, headline, Veteran Zobra says he'll be the vocal leader. Now, here's what's interesting. February 23rd, right? Spring training, the pitchers have maybe just reported. Oh, I know where you're going. Not, and this is Gordy. Okay. Not only has Ben Zobrist finally been located, but upon his delayed arrival to spring training Friday, he vowed to be harder to miss. During his final year of the contract, I feel more freedom. I feel lighter because I'm taking it one day at a time, the elder statesman said. He expects to take more ownership of the entire group during a crossroads season. No comment. What what can you say? Yeah, he was late getting into spring training, and then uh, what happened happened, so... Yeah, they do uh, miss him big time. Uh, next uh, Twitter poll. I know we're up. I know we're supposed to break, Eric. Uh, next Twitter poll. Do you want the NFL? This is just yes or no. I want the NFL now. Do you want the NFL to go to two preseason games and 18 regular games as opposed to now 4 and 16? They'll still be playing 20 total. But... Do you want the NFL to go to two and 18 regular games? Yes or no? Okay. What do you think, Fred? I think uh, people are saying yes. Yes, especially after uh, gambling got uh, legalized here in the state. If the players' union agrees to this, they're nuts. Yeah. What was the result, Eric? 67% of the voters said yes. They would like to see that happen. What was um, how the players vote? Did we do get do that one? <laughs> See, here's the biggest thing: they don't want to have to play any of the preseason games. And you think about it: college football doesn't play preseason games. The NBA and the NHL do, but they seem to be more of a joke than anything else. Eric, you want to hear something? 
Yeah. When I was a kid, okay, so now they play 4 and 16. It's 20. The projections are, or whatever you want to call it, a 2 and 18. Yeah. 20. When I was a here's how old I am, Eric. When I was a kid, they played seven exhibition games and 12 regular season. 19. Seven yes. exhibition games. And the players didn't get paid. That is wild. And the players got nothing for them. Hallis and the other owners, they're filling their pockets. They barnstorm. They play like the Eagles in Hershey, Pennsylvania on a Friday night. And there'd be like, you know, 12,000 people there. And, uh, and Hallis and Pad in his pocket. Seven. But no one got hurt back then, Fred, in the no, exhibition. They played, well, they did. They just played through they everything. Played through it. Yeah. Why is the whole team limping in uh, game seven of the exhibition? Murph and Fred back in a flash. Hey, see Fred Red will shoehorn you in, talking bulls in a little while. Sam Smith coming. ESPN 1000. A few minutes away from the great Sam Smith, bulls.com. Twitter poll, EO11. Bulls fans, we asked you about three hours ago if the Bulls improve from last year's 22 and 60 to 41 and 41 this year. It'll be a a huge success, B, a good trend, or C, failure. You know, if they don't finish first place, it's a failure, many do say. What the fans say this time around, Eric? 12% say it's, it would be a failure. All right. 29% saying huge success, which means 59% mm-hmm. saying that it's a good trend. Let's go to the thank you, Eric. Let's go to the phone line. C. Red Fred. Did I call him C. Fred Red yes, before? Yes, you did. I was talking to Mr. <laughs> Hubner. I thought he was seeing Red. I don't know. Hey, hello. Hey, hello. SRF. C. Red Fred. Hi, buddy. Hey, guys. You're making radio magic on this Saturday morning. I love you. Black magic. Mm-hmm. What's going on, All Fred? I got, I got a stat of the year for you. So no matter what happens in free agency, no matter what happens, the Bulls are going to be significantly better. And here's why. Last year, nine out of the ten top teams in the NBA in three-point percentage made the playoffs. Nine out of the the bottom ten teams in three-point percentage missed the playoffs. It is no coincidence that when Otto Porter Jr. showed up for 15 games, we suddenly looked like a real NBA team and won seven games. We're almost 500 despite having major injury issues missing Wendell Carter Jr. and Chandler Hutchinson. Also, our best three-point shooter in the, uh, in the previous season was Denzel Valentine, who missed 82 games. Just having those two guys back for a full, se- full season will allow Zach Levine to have uh, you know, Wayne's to rim rock. We're going to be significantly better no matter what happens over the next couple weeks. So how do you get rid of Dunn? Well, Chris Dunn, I mean, that's a tough one. He, he's an excellent <laughs> defensive player, and, de- and defense does matter. I, I personally don't feel like you should just let him go right now because he's at an all-time low in his trade value. But it, there was a recent poll that came out in The Athletic, guys. I don't know if you saw this from NBA players. Over 100 NBA players voted. Chris Dunn got as many votes for best defensive player as Draymond Green did. Ooh. He is tremendously uh, uh, respected in the league as a defensive guard. So how would you? How do you use him? And isn't he going to be upset uh, that he's not? That he's no longer the uh, lead uh, dog. Lead guard. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll open it up. Who knows? Maybe he'll respond. He's still a young guy, guys. He admitted that in mm-hmm. Minnesota, he didn't even play in his in his first year as a point guard. They had him playing some bizarre 
shooting guard position. Let it. Let's let's see what happens in spring train uh, in in, uh, in training camp. But I do not. I do not believe you should have Kobe White starting. And young kid, you're going to set him up for failure if you have him starting as a 19 year old. Have him come off the bench, build confidence, and become our superstar of the future. But there are great things happening here, guys, in Chicago. We have the best collection of talent, 26 and under in the NBA. And if you can't get on board with this, then pound sand. We're going places. I'm telling you. Fred, it's, great. it's great to be a Bulls fan. 41 and 41. How's that sound? No. Would that be uh, okay? Uh, they're going to be better than that. The, the, the seven pick and 17, the seven pick and 18, seven pick and 19, seven seed next year, and seven title in 2021. You heard it from me. I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win 44 to 47 games, depending on who they sign. I'd love to see him sign Beverly or Brogdon, have him start. And then we're set. We're rocked out. We're gonna, and it's sign a guy like Aj as a backup four or five. We're we're ready to rock and roll. Regardless of what happens, uh, this team's going to be significantly better. Hey, great. hey, Fred, did I ever tell you about my buddy uh, Lou? Lou is a big Cub fan. He wants to. He asking, can is it okay with you if he can be C Blue Lou? Is that okay? But it's fine with me. It doesn't have the same ring as C Red Fred. I would argue. But I, I love the Cub fan C Blue. I chat yeah. yeah. with you on that one, Fred. <laughs> Run with it, Lou. Run with it. Hey, Fred, did we get Fred, uh, our, our old buddy Nick Friedel, to uh, agree to name his kid Fred yet? I think we got to get this name popularized in Chicago. Yeah. Again. Did he agree to that? There, the, the name's going away. There's you and me and not many others. A little trick with Nick, I guess. Uh, and we got to blast off <laughs> Thanks, for Fred. Sam Smith. Keep You're listening. The best. Thanks, Love you guys. Thanks, Thanks. Fred. Hey, one person says we're the best. Back in a flash. Stay on the Bulls. Then we'll get back on baseball. Hour number three, just around the corner. Mike Murphy, Fred Huebner, ESPN 1000. Uno, dos, one, two, tres, cuatro. Hour number three. Hey. Murph and Fred, nine till noon. One minute away from Sam Smith, Bulls.com. Oh, man, I love talking with our old, our good old friend uh, Sam Smith. Not at old, old, but uh, we've, we're all old. We've been around for a, a while. Yes. So uh, we'll get back on the baseball beat. Well, let's see. Uh, maybe bottom of the hour for sure. Got a lot of other loose ends, but let's not delay. Let's go to Bulls.com. Mike Murphy here, Fred Huebner alongside. Good morning, Sam. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for checking in. Glad to, fellas. How's it going? <laughs> well, talking it... baseball, huh? Talking, uh, oh. talking baseball. Can't get enough of that. No, no. And uh, let's uh, shoehorn in a minute or two for sure in a few moments with Sam on uh, the great game of baseball. But Sam, out of left field maybe, but... Uh, you're a long-time New York, Brooklyn guy. You probably were on Coney Island. Uh, they got this uh, every year. I think ESPN's involved. I'm not sure they've anymore, but oh, they, they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, hot dog championship. So the, can you give us a scouting report and compare Nathan's New York Coney Island hot dogs with the good old Vienna hot dogs here in Chicago, my friend? Well, it's also the fries at Nathan's, which I actually, the only reason I still feel that it would be worth being in New York would be for the pizza or the hot dog. And I assume would offend uh, many of those Chicagoans <laughs> who love their hot dogs and love their uh, white bread with the tomato sauce on it, which uh, <laughs> disguised as pizza. But... Uh, 
Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, you know what I look like, so I'm, I probably haven't been in a hot dog eating contest at all. But as I as I recall, my struggles through high school was uh, cutting class to go to Nathan's for lunch. So uh, I have plenty of memories of that, which I'm sure nobody's interested in. Oh no, no, no! Uh, I, this week they would be because I'm, of that. I'm, I'm interested because so, of the hot dog eating so contest. They I would always, be. you know, but I'm sure I'm yeah. sure Sam never took his hot dog. Somebody will explode. I right. know. I'm sure you've never taken your hot dog and dunked it in water and then tried to eat it. Because that, you know, I think if you're going to have a hot dog eating contest, eat them the way every normal human beings eat them. That would seem to me. Yes, we always call affectionately the umbrella room. Out on on Madison (laughs) Avenue or Park Avenue, uh, eating your hot dogs out of a... uh, a, a a deep dish of dirty water, nothing like that. Well, and I, I bet way back in the day, Sam uh, dunked him into either a Knickerbocker or a Rheingold beer, you know, out out in, uh, in New York. That's right. Schaefer was the Dodgers. Schaefer, so we were Dodgers. Schaefer, and the old scoreboard at Ebbets, there the letter uh, uh, E and H were both in Schaefer, and the E would light up, Fred, if there was an error, and the H would light up in Schaefer if there was a, if there was a hit. Right, Sam. See, and yes, and now you can uh, confidently call me old because anyone who remembers the uh, Ebbets Field scoreboard um, uh, with uh, with you win a free suit uh, if oh, yes, can't Abe, catch your ball. And Abe, Abe Starks. Yes. Abe Starks, man, you know that. You know oh. that Brooklyn baseball. Good for you. Sam Smith. <laughs> so one last thing on the hot dogs. I've always been under the impression that because here in Chicago we always have the argument, which we're not going to do, you know, mustard and ketchup. I always felt that New Yorkers put ketchup on the on, on their Nathans, and here in Chicago, at least me, we put the the mustard. Was uh, was that how that broke no, down? Nobody would put a nobody would put ketchup on a hot dog and be allowed to remain in <laughs> the right. city healthy. Okay, good, good. <laughs> mustard and and um, uh, sauerkraut. Oh God, there's my guy. Sounds like a bratwurst I had the other night. <laughs> And, and I your still, stomach is still And I still that. have it. All right, Sam, we're zeroing in on the uh, free agent signing window. Uh, I guess that's what, that tomorrow afternoon? Tomorrow at 5. Tomorrow at 5. Yeah, it's like it's not like they can't talk before that. No. <laughs> right, Most of the, a lot of these deals are done already. Right. You know, the big guys talking all, uh, talking yeah. all uh, winter, yeah. Now, Fred, there's been some rumors flying, as always. Are there some fresh rumors? Yeah, uh, KD and Kawhi playing uh, maybe with the Knicks. And uh, I, I don't know. It, it would be tough for Kawhi, I would think, to go anywhere where he's going to play with a guy that's not going to play for a whole year because of a, a torn Achilles. Yeah, yeah the la- I mean, the landscape really changed, you know, when, when Durant and Clay Thompson you know, basically got injured and they're all out for next season. And, I mean, not only the Golden State Warriors' fate, but, you know, Clay Thompson was p- pretty sure going to return. Uh, Durant, all season, everybody been hearing, you know, Knicks, and, but seeming was definitely not. It, it, you know, what seems logical and what makes most sense often doesn't happen. But, I mean, to me, you know, Golden State, great team going into a new arena, I, I never fully got it. I, I didn't quite understand what what exactly we were searching for, and, and especially as a native of New York, as we've discussed, that's the last place I'd want to go. Right. If I'm a sensitive guy like Durant, who actually reads social media, but <laughs> so now with him hurt, you know, I, I, I could see this sort of the, the Leonard and Durant because the Clippers sort of have a team already, and you know they they could survive a year with you know with Leonard going down. He's from Southern California. And the rumors were always we could go back to L.A., you know, after the year in Toronto. But he could, 
you know, with what occurred up there, winning a championship, the way they treated him, basically only having to work three quarters at a time since he took twenty some games <laughs> off just to rest. Uh, you know, maybe sign a short term contract. You know, maybe a three year deal with a you know an out after two, and then wait till Durant gets healthy and go to the Clippers. Then I, you know, there's any number of combinations you know you can do, but all of a sudden, you know, that free agent market is not not what was advertised with right. you know, two main guys not available and you know Leonard pretty much limited to two teams and then you know then you go down to Kyrie Irving who you know basically spent a lot of the season not talking to any of his teammates and alienating pretty much everybody on the team and then all of a sudden Kemba Walker who a couple of years ago you know say well he's a 5'11 guard who doesn't defend anybody you know now he's a 180 million dollar player so it's all of a sudden, um, you know, sort of so, uh, n- n- not a market that's going to turn teams around. Sam, as far as uh, Bulls fans, uh, you know, they always say, oh, no free agent of, of worth, you know, is going to come here. And, well, the history has sort of proven that in, in recent history. What would uh, what would uh, Bulls fans uh, expect in the next year or two? And uh, is, is that something that is indeed in, embedded around the league? Don't play for the Bulls? I mean, I can't believe that it's embedded. You know, that's. Uh, I, I just want to comment briefly on that. I do many times, and since it's not as good a story, people don't believe it. You know, there's sort of this big lie thing, you know, that if you repeat a lie often enough, People are stupid enough to believe it, and you know we see that a lot goes on in a lot of places. That's that's the free agency story of Chicago. The truth is, I mean, I I know facts are uncomfortable because they, you know, they often uh, upset your conspiracy theories. But the truth is, the Bulls have been among the league's top ten percent in attracting free agents for the last fifteen years. Now, it just so happened the summers that they had the money for free agents. It wasn't good free agent summers, and the ones they they did, basically what it comes down to is they didn't get LeBron James. <laughs> That's all it turns out to uh-huh. be. But, you know, I mean, he was the number one free agent that summer, and they got Ben Wallace. And um, Pau Gasol, you know, was a top free agent that summer, won two titles. Um, the Spurs wanted him, the Thunder wanted him, and he signed with the Bulls. And then, um, you know, Boozer, the summer they didn't right. get LeBron, you know, Boozer had been an all-star. He'd been on the Olympic team, and his team is just coming off going to the conference finals. So whatever he turned out to be, he was a highly sought free agent at the time. So, so this notion of, oh, we're never getting a free agent because we're in Chicago, that's just simply not true. I mean, who's getting free agents? Has Milwaukee got free agents? Has Detroit got free agents? Philadelphia? Washington, who's got who's got all the free agents? Well, you know, LeBron went to Miami, they got one, and then LeBron went to California, hmm. L.A., and they got one. So that's all the free agents in the last fifteen years, and now we're whatever Durant will do. So anyway, that said, yeah. I, you know, I know it doesn't resonate, but it's true. It happens to be true. The Bulls are fine. It's not true. Free agents won't come to Chicago. It's just we the Bulls didn't get LeBron. So. All right, so this summer, essentially what they did, and, and really, you know, I know people say, well, you know, Durant, which, of course, he's injured now. But, but what they essentially said in midseason, I, I think, is sort of working out. They, you know, they made this trade for Otto Porter. 
who has a, a large salary, 27, 25 or 27 million, something like that, uh, which is not that much in the NBA these mm-hmm. days, believe it or not. Uh, because, you know, the one guy like Patrick Beverly, the local guy uh, from Crane, right? Right. You know, he he's a free agent, and he's on the the Bulls. I'm 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 fairly sure would like to get him, but he he he's talking about you know a really substantial contract, forty million dollars, uh, you know, thirteen or so billion dollars a year. You know, if this for a guy doesn't average double figures, and is six foot, is a defensive player, is really not a point guard, but he'd be good to have and really tough guy. I mean, I'd love to. I'd like to have him on the Bulls because. He, he's a guy who would who would make the other guys play, you know. I mean, I don't mean on the play while they're on, but sit in the trainers' room all the time, like they seem to do. <laughs> so, so he would be a good choice. But you know, you, anyway. So I was getting Otto Porter. So, you know, they they essentially essentially said, look, we're not sure what the free agency situation would be with a team that has a losing record, which is true. That's another thing too. Top free agents just don't go when you you know you're winning twenty or thirty games, rebuilding, which is a you know a, a common Chicago uh, hmm. procedure these days. Yes, and, you know, and I have... so they got Porter, who who if the Porter was a free agent this summer, would be a twenty five million dollar player, and so you know they're filling out the starting lineup. Zach Zach Levine to me is a potent, is an all star level player. Would have been an all star if he was playing with. You know, Giannis in Milwaukee instead of Chris Middleton, who got to be an all-star because he was standing next to the, you know, the best player, which helps you. Uh, so I think, you know, I think he's a, you know, all-star potential level player, and, and so is marketing. So, you know, they can fill around the edges. I think, I think what they're most likely going to do, is, is hopefully get a guy like Beverly, and then actually, you know, somebody like Taj Gibson, you know, two veteran kind of guys. Um, you know who are who are strong, you know figures who play, who want to be out there all the time, play hard, you know. And the Bulls, you know, I know we talk about it all the time, but they essentially have no leader on the team. And leader to me is like, you know, unfortunately we always reference Jordan, but you know Jordan was the guy. It wasn't just because of you know what he did, but he got to be the, he got to be a good player. But the other part was when he was. In the, you know, when everyone's sitting around in the trainer's room getting taped for an hour, he said, no, 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 everybody goes out and practices. And he chased everybody out, out of the trainer's room, and they practice, and they work. And you need some veterans like that on a team when you've got young guys. And, and that's the problem with rebuilding, as you see in all cases. Young guys don't understand because they've never – and Zach, I thought Zach Levine said it the best at the end of last season – not one of us, other than Otto, who'd been there, has played in a game that mattered in his whole career. You know, Chris Dunn hasn't, Laurie Markkinen hasn't, Wendell Carter, obviously. So they got to be getting some of those games before they can make a step. And those would be two additions if they can make it happen. But, you know, there, there are other teams bidding for these guys, too. So you just don't know. And, you know, Sam, after a whole year of basketball where it seems like from day one or two after uh, we, we got a chance to see uh, Zion, everybody wanted the Bulls to lose so they have a chance to get a, a draft pick. Now, right. they get the they get the seventh pick and they draft Kobe White and then they get Gafford in the second round. What are your thoughts on, on those two guys? You know, you know, Kobe White's a guy 19 years old. It's tough to put him and make him in charge of this offense. You think he's a guy that will, you know, start on the bench, slowly work his way in. What are your thoughts on the draft pick? Yeah, I think, you know, you know 
it, it, it lucked out after being unlucky. You know, and that's the thing you mentioned. You know, the, the media and the fans would think, well, you've got to lose a lot of games so you can get a shot at Zion or this uh, John Morant, who had a right. really good the point guard. Well they, well, they, well, they did. And you know who got them? The Pelicans and Memphis, who yeah. didn't lose as many games as they did. Sure. So, so that model doesn't necessarily work. I remember people during the season, you know, media, too, would criticize and say, well, the Bulls need to do this game. I mean, look who they had out there. You know, uh, the French guy, I can pronounce his name still, you know, and yeah. Wayne Selden and Rally Alkins and Jakar Sampson and Brand, they had all these Sampsons and, you know, I didn't even know who was out there. So if that team wasn't trying to lose, I don't know how else you could have done it. And so it didn't work out anyway. So that that was the loss, and, and, and rebuilding is, is mostly what it's about. It's not being about smart. It's about being lucky. And they got unlucky. You know, they got lucky with Derrick Rose when they moved up from 9-1. to one. They got unlucky this time when they should have gotten, you know, well, they should have gotten better picks than the Pelicans and the Memphis, sure. they, who got 1-2. and two, Sure. So they fall to 7. So, you know, that was unlucky. So then, then you know, on draft night, they won- they clearly won a point- wanted a point guard, and it didn't look like, you know, it looked like it was going to be one of those six-player drafts in their 7. And... It, it, they were surprised, and a lot of us were surprised. Both Phoenix and Memphis, Phoenix, which had the pick, Memphis, which traded it, who wanted point guards, passed on the point guard, which, of course, makes you say, well, is there something wrong with him? <laughs> I don't think so. so but I, you're right, Fred. He, he's young. He's not ready. But it's a, it's a young league now. You know, right. uh, Trey Young last year. You know, a little guy came in and, you know, second half turned it around. Right. He started on the bench, too, didn't he? He started on the bench last year for Atlanta, right? Trey Young? Yeah, I think he was, but I think he was playing pretty right away, but just playing lousy. Okay. You know, for like two months. (laughs) Couldn't hit a shot, and guys were, you know, and then kind of started to figure out. Yeah, it's a different NBA now because all these, you know, basically every first 10 draft picks are all freshmen. 19-year-olds, teenagers, and so, you know, the league, you can play younger guys. So I think, you know, somebody like Beverly, if they don't get him, or, you know, another sort of point guard, I think essentially the Bulls are looking for a placeholder for White. If they got Beverly, it might be a little longer, maybe a guy like George Hill, who Memphis let, Milwaukee just let go, he would be a good one. And then White could sort of move in later this season, next season, whatever. I wouldn't be surprised if it's later this season. I'm not quite sure he's a point guard, but I'm not sure what a point guard is in the NBA anymore right. because it used to be the guy who had the ball first and passed it, and now it's the guy who has the ball first and shoots it. And so White, White would fit that. So I think he, you know, he's got good size. Not even not even counting the hair, um, and he's fast, and and he fits the profile of a guy who looks like a pretty good player, and the guy Gafford. I mean, I'll admit, and, and frankly, if you were watching Arkansas basketball this year, I'd question your life, you know, and what you were doing. So I have no idea what he looks like, but he sounds like he could be a player, you know, uh, athletic, run, jump, you, you, you know. So I, I mean, I think they're two pretty good picks based on what it looks like. But the big one was white, and and so then then becomes the question of what happens with Chris Dunn. And my guess is, if they're going to get a point guard in free agency, like they seem to be, you know, trying for Beverly, hmm. uh, they, they were looking at this Darren Collison, and I, I, he retired yesterday. Right. I don't think he retired because they were looking for, looking at him. <laughs> but wow. He retired anyway. 
So George Hill and you know, there's a couple other guys, Corey Joseph, a lesser guy, maybe Rondo, you know, I don't know. A guy, a guy named Sadaransky. I don't think they're going to spend a lot of money, you know, getting a bidding thing like D'Angelo Russell with the Nets, who's a restricted free agent, or Brogdon in Milwaukee. Both those teams, Brogdon and Milwaukee, I'm sure, would match and they would get hung up. I don't think they would. So I think they're going to look for, you know, two solid veteran guys to work with the young guys, which, which makes sense, and, you know, to go along with Otto Porter. And then, you know, I think they can make a reasonable jump because they they weren't trying to win a lot of games last year, and guys were hurt, and assuming marketing is okay, they missed half the season, you know, a lot of them. But I was also saying about Dunn, if they do all these things, frankly, I don't see Dunn being with the team when the season starts next season. But, you know, we'll see about that. Sam Smith, always great. Uh, one, couple, one more thing, Sam. I, I told Fred uh, last week I'm... I've never been in the T-shirt business, but I, I got one. I think we can all. You, if you want to jump in too, I'm always looking for investment capital. If you have a couple bucks, and because it's about a six. Well, you know, Pat Riley copyrights these things. Oh, so I know. know. Check with him. Yeah, one for the dumb or whatever. Right. Three Pete. Three Pete. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. But uh, to steal from Fred's uh, youth. Uh, the go-go White Sox. I'm the go-go Bulls. Now, in general, I don't know if, I, if anyone will buy it, but the go-go Bulls. From your point of view, now I just keep. Oh, they're going to run. Uh, the, uh, the the new guy Kobe White. They're going to run. They're going to run. The NBA runs. I hear this all the time. Now, Jim Boylan, I love the guy. In the beginning, fans didn't like him. The players didn't like him. Now, the players seem to like him. Fans still go, well, wait till they lose 10 in a row. They're not going to like yada, yada. <laughs> is he going to run? And are we going to see running? Or is that overrated these days, even in the new NBA running, the go-go bulls? Running is real popular in the off season and in, in, in training camp. Yeah. And when you get into the season, uh-huh. and it becomes a lot more half court. Of course, uh, you know a lot of guys take a lot of days off these days. So you got to figure out you got to run a half court offense because also the other teams kind of figure it out and go well. They would like to you know score easy baskets in transition. So we'll all get back right away after we shoot. So it'll make it harder for them. So. It's a nice thing to talk about in a good theory when you get a turnover, but you better figure out how to get a good half-court offense before you worry about that too much. I'm not doing the T-shirt business after all. Thank you for the for the. <laughs> you know what? Just print a couple up for us. Oh yeah, yeah exactly. That's all you need. I got a guy. I got a guy who does T-shirts. So he'll, he'll take care of you. Sam, it's a it's your personal day off. We appreciate it. one last thing to go on, and we'll mix baseball in with this NBA question. So yeah. it does appear that uh, uh, Commissioner Silver. In fact, this is back from uh, March 1st of this year. The Associated Press, Jimmy uh, Golan. G-O-L-E-N, NBA Commissioner Silver, would consider shortening the season, replacing the All-Star game back on March 1st. The trial balloon, I guess you would call it. Do you expect it to be uh, diminished the season? And uh, what about baseball, uh, your other true love? Uh, what's going to happen with the NBA 82-game schedule? Do you guess in the next few years? Well, I know you mentioned also when you, you know, you referred to something coming out of left field, so I know you're always using baseball, you know, references. (laughs) But what I can guarantee you about the 82-game season, I don't know about baseball, it's probably the same. 
I don't know any of the players or uh, owner ma- managements that want to give up 10 games of revenue. So that ain't happening. <laughs> that will never happen. Wow. They, no one's cutting any schedule and taking 10, uh, 10 12% less money. Guarantee that. Well, what if they instead in a donut hole in the middle of the year had some type of round-robin tournament that would still maybe fill arenas or maybe they wouldn't fill arenas? I'm not quite sure how you would get guys to be motivated in the middle of the season. It's like, you know, going to the Olympics or whatever, like some, you know, some Hudson Hockey does or something like that. Uh Uh-huh. But it'd be pretty hard for, for me, you know, to, I mean... I mean, I don't want to diminish what the NBA guys do. They they really do play hard, and you know it's a committed guys for whatever you know whatever the notion might be. And if you watch you know those games, you'll see that. But unless you diminish the the level of the finals, and you know which is what's happened in recent years, that you know Kawhi Leonard's a great example. You know, he was upset with the way he was treated in San Antonio health-wise. He forced his trade. He went to Toronto, and he said, I'm taking 20 games off the rest for the finals. And they said, sure, can we drive you to the arena while you're doing that? You know, and so they did. And so they won the title. So uh, there's been an ethic developed that the notion is, and I, I don't happen to agree with it. Now, of course, I'm not playing and I'm not hurt, so it's easier to say. But that if you, you know, rest and take a lot of time off, that'll help you later in the season. I haven't necessarily seen it. What I see is more guys getting hurt all the time anyway. I'm not exactly sure how that, how that, why that is. I think that's a, that's a whole other show about training okay. methods and kids not playing other sports. But, no, I, you know, Adam, I, I give Silver a lot of credit. He's innovative. He tries to yeah. find different ways. He'll come up with something. But this notion of a lesser schedule that's going to involve 10% less pay for both sides is completely unrealistic and will never happen. And I don't, and I don't really see any of those sort of tournament things developing because unlike, you know, they do it overseas, Europe has some of those things where you split a season. Um, I, I just, you know, first of all, I think the NBA works pretty well. I mean, I, I like the season. I think I think it's fine. I, I mean, I don't think it's broken. But, yeah. you know, I know, I know you know, our, our current notion is people don't have a long attention span, and, you, you know, so they can't pay attention to, you know, anything longer than a headline, and maybe you need something, you know, like a video game presentation for them to keep them interested. I don't happen to believe that, because I think there's a lot goes on in the regular season, especially in the NBA, where everybody's criticizing everybody else, and talking about everybody else, and complaining about this one and that one, and taking off. So, you know, the NBA's a lot of you know, drama all season. But uh, I just don't think unless you diminish the final somehow uh, that you could ever get anybody, you know, persuade anybody that it's more important to be at your, you know, risk injury and be at your best in January as opposed to in May and June. So, Fred, at Ebbets Field, the scoreboard was (laughs) down to ground level, and there was this famous ad uh, by a clothier, Abe Stark, and the sign said, Hit sign wins suit. In other words, if you drove the ball and it bounced off, and the sign wasn't that big, uh-huh. so I don't know. Did I don't know how many suits Abe gave away? Abe Stark, maybe Sam went there once as a kid to get his first yes, uh, suit. I, I, I was there. So I was there a couple of times. So you can can call me old, but and I know what the <laughs> deal was that he paid Carl Ferrillo an extra suit each year. 
So Carl stood in front of the sign so you couldn't hit it. And Ferrello was the best right fielder in the game at the time. So there you go. Very few suits. The great Carl Ferrillo in right field stood right yep. in front of the little sign. And uh, he made sure that Abe didn't have anyone hit. So uh, he'd get a few under the table at the end of the year, right? Exactly. That's how it worked in Brooklyn. Oh, so there's, always, there's always something on the, on the take. Uh, I'm going to go against my better judgment, Fred. I'm going to go go get a Nathan's hot dog and a Schaefer beer in honor of Sam Smith. And the fries, and you won't regret it. Oh, that's right. There you go. That's right. Sam, thanks for your time. All our listeners just love uh, hearing from you, as uh, uh, we uh, certainly do here, Murph and Fred. And uh, once or twice a year, you're always very generous, and we look forward to catching up with you during the season, okay? All right, guys. Good to talk to you. Same you here. too, Sam. Sam Smith, Bulls.com, Murph and Fred, ESPN 1000. Murph and Fred. On the home stretch. By the way, the uh, the Yankees and Red Sox are playing in London. The game's actually yeah. going to be on right here, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yep, right at noon. As soon as you guys are done, we're uh, going across the pond. And yeah. not us. Tomorrow, not, I'd like no, to. Not the three of us. Yes. Uh, tomorrow, yeah. you're going to hear Chris Black from like 7 to 8.30. And then we go to the second game. They play in a two-game series. Cubs and Cardinals are going over there next year. So uh, yeah. it'll be interesting to see how this thing works out. And uh, you can hear it right here on ESPN 1000. Uh, a few little uh, quickies here. Let's bring in EO11, Eric Ostrowski. And uh, we have a lot of active Twitter poll questions. Let's see what the fans, what you have said. This has been online now for about four or five hours. Sox fans, yes or no, Jerry Reinsdorf should sign free agent Joe Madden this winter. Fred, what do you think the fans said? Did you vote or? Oh, uh... uh, well, I would have voted no. Uh, the fans, I'm sure, voted uh, a good 75 to 80% yes. I'm not sure. I don't know. Okay. Do White Sox fans want the enemy manager coming in? It'd be a sort of interesting coup. Coup d'etat. Yeah, I don't. I want no coup. <laughs> uh, so. What'd they say, Eric? It's actually quite split. So 52% no, 48% yes. Now, we ask Sox fans only. Doesn't mean Cub fans or other non-Sox fans did not interlude. But uh, I'm not surprised. It's sort of an interesting topic. Well, hey, maybe 4th of July. We'll be yep. here, what, noon to 3? Yep, noon to 3. We got a lot of time to talk about that kind of stuff. We can break yeah, By then, the Bulls down. may have signed uh, some free agents. Sox fans, we had a Twitter poll question based on, Fred, you had mentioned earlier that uh, Jose Abreu, on playing through the rain the other night in uh, Boston with yeah. the wet conditions, Abreu suggested the uh, wet infield dirt Tuesday night that would have been contributed to Tim Anderson's ankle injury. Right. Quote, the bosses at MLB have to do their job, Jose Abreu said. You don't hear him speaking out a lot either. Well, not in English. The bosses at MLB have to do their job and realize how bad the field conditions are. This year, we played games in conditions where the field was not safe. Yeah, I was going to mention that. They played some games at you at uh, guaranteed rate. Should not have been played at all. 
and uh, they played through puddles everywhere in the in the infield. And I know they did do a great job. Bossard, you know, Bossard does a great job down there. But man, oh man, there are games they've played that were been brutal, and it was pretty bad in Boston the other day. And that's when Tim Anderson gets hurt out four to six weeks. See, part of the problem, and you're right. Part of the problem is you don't make more than one trip right. into some of these towns. It used to be always two or three, and back when I was a kid, it was four. You'd go into each. So until the final trip in September, yeah, well, let's bang it, rain it out, and then uh, we'll have a doubleheader later right. when it's you know good weather. So now they got to cram these games in because when's the next time you know the Sox and Boston have a, a mutual open day yeah. and can travel and so their, yeah their biggest mistake is they should probably when they do the schedule schedule more doubleheaders and more days off oh yeah schedule more doubleheaders Sunday doubleheaders mm-hmm. make them day nights do whatever you want to do mm-hmm. make them Saturday day night doubleheaders I don't care but then you got to schedule more days off so you can make up for this because this has been an awful year with rain all around the country and everybody's trying to make up games so el 11 Sox fans were asked the uh tim anderson injury his ankle fenway park rain soaked infield was the infield a contributor uh, to the injury yes or no well, first off, I want to preface it. You label it the it's major contributor, so that does maybe sway some votes one way or the other. I did that. Yes, I made it too easy then. <laughs> but yes, same results as the last poll: fifty-two percent yes, forty-eight percent no. Fred, you mentioned thank you. It was a tricky play in the sense that when you looked at it, it, it didn't look like his foot slipped no. or gave much. No, it didn't. But it gave up just enough. Yes. Yeah. He was like pivoting and throwing awkwardly, moving to his left, throwing behind his body over towards first base, right. if you will. And the uh, right foot right was sort of on a pivot that uh, slipped, and uh, evident. Obviously, it's all it took. Yeah, that's all it took. And uh, he thought he he heard something pop, and that's what concerned him right mm. off the bat. And uh, you know, Eli, Eli Jimenez had uh, the same thing—a high ankle sprain. He missed what four weeks. So, you know, uh, Tim, we'll see a lot of Lurie Garcia playing shortstop. He's there again today. The uh, next uh, poll question was, I put this in for, for, you know, make Fred uh, mad or make Fred laugh. Okay. What's up, Fred's? uh, Yeah. Should baseball fans have a say in the uh, all-star game voting? (laughs) (laughs) Make Fred laugh. Yeah. Yes or no were the options, obviously. Should baseball fans have a say in all-star game voting? I know how you voted, Fred. I would have voted no. I vote on your side also, no. Uh, And I'm sure the fans voted 80%. This will be correct. There's going to be a runaway yes. It's another tight poll. Wow. I was on a roll. 54% say yes, 46% say no. Well, you know what? Maybe we're educating the fans. Maybe they're 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 smarter than we thought. Well, someone did make the comment that you know what? Who it might have been was it Tim Kirkchen? Someone recently, sorry, whoever said you know the players. I'm sorry, the fans are much more educated now than they were 20, 30 years sure. ago with numbers and nuances and uh, saber and and uh, so. Maybe the tide is changing to a degree, Fred. Listen, I did not plan on voting at all, okay, for this. And I went to the MLB app the other day just to get a score. And before, when I first went to it, it said to vote. And I was at it already. I said, okay, fine, I'll vote. And um, so they convince you to vote. They, you know, uh, they, 
the teams all want you to vote for your guys and all that stuff. If your guys deserve to be in the All-Star game, fine, vote for him. James McCann has played very, very well this year. He probably deserves to go to the All-Star game. Um, you know, uh, there's no way that Almora, Hayward, and uh, uh, Hayward and um, Schwarber deserve to be in the All-Star game. They shouldn't have been voted for. I don't care if they play for you or if they're your brother. They don't deserve to go to the All-Star game. So, you know, I like to see the people that des- that played well in the first half go to the All-Star game. From the commissioner's point of view and ticket sales, what if you... That's going to sell out anyway, though. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm leading the TV, though. Oh, You're okay. right. Okay. <clears throat> the home run derby sell. I mean, it draws big ratings. So what if nine, eight, you know, pitcher to... What if you had eight... Unknown, quote unquote, unknown rookies. Right. That tear it up. You know, you look at the Dodgers, you know, Muncie and these guys that the average national, they don't know them. So does MLB, they want, and TV, do they want the big name guys, whether it's they're, they're having a bang up year or not? See, they don't want maybe what maybe you're saying, the best players in. Because it is called the showcase. It's a, it's a showcase, the Midsummer Classic. Hmm. And, uh, you know, they like to see some of their big players. Mookie Betts didn't, doesn't deserve to go this year. Last year, he was great. Yeah. This year, first half, not as not as good. Uh, Jose Altuve, he's missed almost the whole first half of the year. Yeah, tell me about it. I had him in my fantasy. Yeah. I mean, DJ LeMahieu and Tommy oh, LaStella both deserve to go. I'm not in a go. good mood. Both DJ LeMahieu and oh, Tommy LaStella. Oh, you had to do that. Tommy LaStella. Hey, they both deserve to go. Hey, tip of the hat to Carm. When we return, I got a sound. Hey, if anyone knows Carm, give him a call. Murph's going to play his sound bite in a minute, Carmen DeFalco. When we return, DJ LeMayo, Murph and Fred back in a flash. And Fred has Cubs uh, lineups, batting orders in. It's ESPN 1000. Stretch. Hope you're having a great Saturday morning. I'm Mike Murphy. He's Fred Hubner. So miss a little, miss a lot. Tuesday, let's see, about 1.30, well, exactly, 1.36 in the afternoon Tuesday. Carm, Carmen DeFalco, and uh, he starts talking about, and he's a longtime White Sox fan. Yes, he is. But a big baseball fan. Yep. So uh, it was good to see, thank you, Carm, that, you know, I'm not... I've been talking about this one guy for so long, people don't want to hear me talk about it anymore. The first move, very first move, Theo Epstein. Oh, now, now Carmen's talking about it. It's hard to know exactly like what Theo's mindset was back then, Jess, but... You know, they traded relatively early in the tenure. They got, they dumped LeMahieu, right? For, yes. Uh, and for Ian Stewart. For Ian Stewart. That's yeah. right. Terrible trade. Yeah, Terrible I mean, trade. But does, like, Theo, I mean, does Theo say, hey, listen, we were starting to re, I, I mean, how, like, does, does that still, you know, I, it hasn't come up recently. You know, Gordon Whitmire was a big DJ LeMahieu fan, so he'll, he'll jab uh, Jed and Theo every so often. And I think they kind of admit they missed it, yeah. missed the boat. I think. I can't remember exactly. But how could they not admit that? Ian Stewart was a complete disaster. Yeah, I guess it was a head so. case. Right. So how could they not admit it? I don't think they realized that LeMahieu would be such a good hitter. So that that was a miss, an early, an early rebuilding miss. And they didn't make many of them back then. No, I mean, they really didn't. Uh, but, yeah, the LeMahieu, he's still going strong, man. A career 300, 353, 413 slash line for DJ LeMahieu. Not to mention he's... 
always been a pretty sure-handed defensive second baseman. It's kind of incredible. <sighs> Thank you. Thank well, you, you know, he, he says that. He didn't mention that. He's won back-to-back gold gloves, mm-hmm. and he's got three overall. So more than more than a decent defensive it, second baseman. It's base. one of the worst trades in, in Cubs history, and it had a domino effect. Now, uh, EO11, did you pull up uh, just to verify or what the up-to-date numbers, slash line, uh, batting on base and slug for uh, DJ? All right, his batting average is three thirty six. He's leading the league, by the way. Yep. <laughs> his uh, his on base is three eighty five. Hold that thought. On base three eighty five. You know what the Cubs have going right now at on base? The best is Bryant at three ninety something. Yeah, but they got nothing. They got Schwarber. God love him, hitting where he don't belong. No one's getting on base up there for the big horses. And uh, so his slug is what five twenty two. Wait, wait, my headphone just crapped out. I didn't hear that. What was that? He's slugging 522. Now, let me re- recap. Theo gets the gig <clears throat> late October, early November of 2011. Uh-huh. The first thing he does, he trades DJ LeMayo for this bust-out fat slob, Ian Stewart. All right? Now, wait. I thought they were about building for the future. He brings in a veteran. A big tubagoo veteran. So this has nothing to do with building. It was, what did he know about DJ LeMayu? Zero. Obviously nothing. Zero. Yeah. He had never seen him. I can say that with 100% certainty, though I don't know. He had never <laughs> seen him. And obviously he used a Red Sox scouting report. Because Ivy. Jim Hendry loved him. And that would be the scouting report, right? Yeah. Let me tell you something else. He, he, he blew that so bad because here's why. All the trades that Theo made was unloading the veterans. Unloading everyone from Samarja uh, to Garza. Right. Uh, to the, uh, the big uh, pitcher, uh, Cash, uh, Andrew Kashner, to get Rizzo a great trade. The only young guy he traded was the, one of the top young prospects they had coming up. And what was the domino effect? When he had to trade Samarja to the A's for uh, Russell, which at the time was a good deal, he wouldn't have had to because right. it would have had already Baez. Baez had shortened Russell at second. He could have moved Samarja for some other piece that he needed. Just a disaster to this day. Yep, it is. Here's a lineup really quickly. We got Kyle Schwarber leading off again no, for that'd, your Cubs. That'd be DJ LeMayo at second leading yeah. off. The Kyle Schwarber left, Chris Bryant at third, Anthony Rizzo at first, Javi at short, Wilson Contreras is catching once again. Jason Hayward red hot. He's in uh, right field hitting sixth. Addison Russell's the second base. Albert Almora is hitting eighth. And playing center field, Jose Quintana is your pitcher and hitting ninth if he makes it that far. Here's why I also am 100%. There was a New York Times story. The only place he admitted it, he says, I hadn't seen him. We didn't know. We should. Terrible move. Anyway, thank you, Carm. So I'm not out of step, Charlie. The only one saying it. Thank all our guests. Josh Nelson did a great job. Check him out. SoxMachine.com. Jesse and Sam Smith. Bulls.com. Thanks, Sam. Eric Ostrowski, all of his help. And we're going across the pond. Actually, you and I aren't. But... Uh, uh, Yankees, Red Sox, coming up next. Murph and Fred saying thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. See you later, everybody.